hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is a... Uh, He's not here because we're doing we're talking about spooky things right now, and this is not a Abe's particular see. But out now is a film podcast where normally Abe and I discuss movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is something completely different because it's our third annual horror awards, the horror awards for 2023. A fun thing we just recently started doing, despite our heavy devotion to horror movies throughout much of the year we figured oh we should probably do an award show now we're, we're now we've, we've done it and ideally we've refined it and made it even better than the last time which was better than the previous time so there you go all of that all of that's necessary joining me to discuss or to go over our uh, our horror awards for 2023 we have from movies films and flicks and deep blue sea the podcast he has a ghost living inside his cabin stuck up in the cobwebs and it wants to talk to me it's mark hoffmeyer if I disappear while recording this episode, just blame the entity, right? So just weird things have been going on tonight. So if I disappear, don't even come looking for me, y'all. Like, stay downstairs. Always a good idea. Don't come looking for you. <laughs> stay away. <laughs> also joining us from Cal State Fullerton, he has an attachment to when evil lurks at the Royal Hotel, which he's staying at for five nights. It's Professor Mike Villain. Hi. If I go missing, you should come look for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, I'll flip. Not, a, not, I'll, I'll flip one of those haunted coins and see what it tells me to do. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm excited. I, I loved last year, and then the the work that I put in this year was fun. Like I, I, I feel well versed in horror, and it was a good year for horror, just in general. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, same. I've been looking forward to this since uh, since the last one, and it's fun to revisit the list of movies that are eligible and just kind of think about what i liked and what what lingers in my memory uh from months ago yeah that's certain yeah because i have very little time to like revisit anything it's more just like cramming and stuff i hadn't seen yet but i have like three big columns worth of horror movies that i saw this year so i certainly have a lot to pull from as we go through these but that's exactly what we're gonna do we're gonna go through various categories that we've all established here and we're gonna give our winners as well as some other thoughts on other potential uh nominees and what have you for these categories and that's really all there is to this episode just a, a lot of celebration of the horror that we watched um so with mm. all that said let's kick things off with best breakout performance and we're going to start with mark hobmeyer what oh, is your gosh. best breakout performance oh this is stressful normally i just do awards that are called random awards and i just pick random crap but i have really had to narrow things down on this one and mm -hmm. i enjoyed the challenge but so i know this this movie was mentioned last year but uh, a lot of the lists I've seen it pop up on 2023 lists. So I'm going to say Natalia um, Soyun from Husera, uh, the Bone Woman, mm -hmm. which I actually listened to all the uh, pronunciations of these names before I got on, but I got nervous, so I kind of butchered them. But I think of all the performances I watched this year and just the her breakout performance, like I was doing some research and she she kind of watched Tony Collette in the hours and she watched Haley Bennett in Swallow. And I actually saw a lot of that in her performance and just she just holds the screen and it's just subtle and it's just I don't know everything. It's just quiet and internalized and just 
I don't know. And then I looked up her IMDb filmography and it's just not many things there. She had done some TV before, but this is such a, such like a confident film and she holds like almost every frame of it aside from like some flashbacks, but it's just such an excellent performance. And so there, there's a bunch of good names out there, but this was the one that first popped into mind because while watching this, I just, just, you're just sitting there watching her performance. It just felt so natural and so good and so earthy and quiet and like, introspective and angry and just good like there's so much going on so yeah i had to pick it all right good pick yeah you know it, it occurs to me we have a category for best makeup or visual effect and maybe in a future year we should consider best use of sound effects yeah because i mean the bone woman <laughs> yeah. definitely right the, just <laughs> yep. the, the cracking of the knuckles and everything it's, it's so evocative and, and just creepy i think that that, that was my big takeaway. I, I I think we did mention this one last year, right? Because I think I, I saw it at a festival. You I had mentioned it. it. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I, had, I, saw, I saw it like a week later because you I think you talked about it here. And so, yes, I have it qualified on my list for this year now just because it, it mainly came out this past year. So. Well, well, I only want to mention that because I think I brought it up in the context of the one jump scare that really got me. It's, it involves the foot. Yes. And I wonder uh, what Mark thought of that moment. Did it, did it get you or was it just me? No, yeah, like you know, you know what's interesting. I, you had talked about it, and I forgot about it. So when it did happen, I definitely jumped. Like this movie had me really attention. Yeah, it just I don't know. It held me in there, and then I completely forgot about it. But no, yeah, no, it got me. It got me for sure. Good one. Yeah, it's the. I think the way you described it is, you know that there's a scare coming, and even then, it still got you. I believe that was something along something along those lines. And... Something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. But... Because it's like There's it's not of... it's it's telegraphing it a bit just because it's a horror movie and just the way the scenes are playing like you know like something's gonna pop out somewhere but like it's <laughs> well, still well, there's a there's a misdirect because yeah that's what it yeah that's yeah. What, yeah. yeah there's something in this corner of the frame that gets your attention but then the real scare is coming from the other side of the frame yeah yeah nicely done yeah and I don't know it's just such a great performance I don't know it's it's you know I watched it early last this year wait last year 2023 year. Yeah. And it's just stuck with me so. <laughs> I feel like we watch so much content and, and what we do that if I can actually remember it fondly 11 months later, 10 months right. later, like I know it was good. So yeah, this was my first pick. All right. Mark strike one content. No, no, no. You, you watch movies. Yeah. Movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> movies. Mike, what's your pick? Sophie Wilde from talk to me. Okay. Um, if I understand correctly, it's her first feature film. Yes. Um, it's just, it's a stunning debut. Uh, I think what makes Talk To Me, and I think we we discussed it on the pod yeah. uh, some months ago, what makes it a good film is that apart from the scares and the spooky factor of it all, there's a, there's a good story in there rooted in trauma and real emotional distress that kind of grounds everything. And key to that is her performance. And she just, it's an otherwise really solid movie, but she really knocks it out of the park. And, and I think she's going to become a big star. Yeah, um, I agree with you. This was actually my pick as well, so I'm going to go, I'll pivot to something else, but I, I agree with what you're saying, and as far as potential, like, yeah, between this, she's already done a couple more films. She has, like, a series on Netflix, I believe, as well. Like, she really kind of broke out with, but it's a really great start, and there's a lot of different kinds of lifting she has to do as far as being more than just, like, a blank lead, you know, and as far as what's happening there. There's there's a lot of physical work going on. There's a whole sequence where she's like singing in another language. Like there's just a lot of like different bits happening. It's a, it's a good performance. Yeah. She has to carry a lot in this movie. And she's young. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging performance. Yeah. 
And and reading about some of the time they had, they said they had like 20 or 30 minutes to film that one montage when they're all grabbing the hand. So you have first time actors really just crushing it in these scenes. Sorry, I stole your pick, Aaron. No, you're fine. I got I I have multiple good picks here. So the um the one I will go with is um this movie Influencer with uh the actress Cassandra (laughs) Nod. Um, this little movie, like it, I think it's pretty solid. Like I, I didn't know what to expect from it as far as, but it's like, it's like a, I don't know, like a single white female for the millennial or Gen Z age kind of. Um, and but you have this performance from this, uh, this woman Cassandra Dodd who has like a, a very distinctive like birthmark, like that's very large on her face. Um, and it, it it's worth noting just because like you know, she's still being an actress with a, that has to do things very um visually focused as far as uh, interacting with a person that's a you know social media star what have you uh but the without getting into like what the plot of this movie is because i feel like it's neat to see it reveal itself it's a good piece of work as far as seeing someone deal with rivalry and being in this age of constantly being in front of a camera online in some capacity and um for being a movie that just came out of nowhere for it was like on amc plus i think it was on shutter or something like that um but like watching it it's like there's there's good work enough for like again it stands out as far as getting to the end of the year uh but it's like yeah good little movie and a strong like lead villainy type performance um in its own unique way yeah she's also she also has a small part in um it's a wonderful knife yes she does i believe yeah <laughs> i was excited to see her pop up in that Although, yeah, I, I don't think that, I mean, you're right, it's a very prominent birthmark and it should not impact the kind of role she uh, pursues. No. And in fact, yeah, it gives her a very unique and memorable screen presence. But I remember an influencer, I thought that's kind of a problem for this movie because the whole purpose of she's a villain and she's assuming people's identities. It's like your whole ability to do that is dependent on you not being noticed and to be able to go in and out of places incognito, and you you have one of the most distinctive and recognizable See, features and I, on your face. I feel, so like that, that, I feel like that plays into it to some degree. I haven't seen the movie clear like recently enough to like have more of what I thought because I I certainly had that thought about it. It's like how does this work exactly? But I feel like the film was trying to do something with that. Maybe, but again, I mean, I hear you. I I don't <laughs> disagree with the with the, with the point. And and again, yeah, her performance is great. But That's I was just kind of questioning well. the casting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she can't skulk around like Fassbender and the killer, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah, she doesn't like dress like a yeah. German tourist. Yeah. like a German tourist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, some other ones I had, uh, I had Tua Sarah as well uh, on my list. I had uh, The Blackening for Dwayne Perkins, yep, who is largely like, oh yeah? Yeah. He's largely like a writer mainly, so this is like pretty much one of his first like big performances, and I think he's... Uh, which 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 one in the cast is he? He is the... the, the um. I mean, he's the, he's the gay best friend, essentially. Like that's okay. Um, what's it? Uh, Unseen. Uh, Jolene Purdy, uh, who works in like the convenience store on the other, like the the fall movies, like two different, like two sides of of a FaceTime call, right? She's uh-huh. the one that's stuck in the convenience store while the other actress is in the woods running away. Those are mine. Those are ones I have on there. Well, you guys picked Sophie you, and Cassandra. And then you got like, and then so the only other one I had was Lily Sullivan from Evil Dead Rise. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I, that's what I considered. I was like, she's been in, she's been in stuff, but like, I hear you. Like, I haven't seen her before, really. So, yeah, I, I guess, but she there's no rule here. I'm not like downing your pick. Like, it's a good pick. <laughs> I, I guess I just hadn't seen her before. I don't, I don't think, or hadn't registered. So in the movie, yeah, I had the like, same. 
I was like, she's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, but yeah, you guys basically covered all the ones I liked. So that, that worked out pretty good here. Yeah, Why, about the same. Um, no, about the same. I, I was also thinking Cassandra Noud. Um, I, I mean, there were, there were a few social media themed horror films in the last year. And there was another one called Follow Her, which is a play on follower. Yeah. Um, and the lead uh, actress named Danny, Danny Barker or Danny Baker. Sorry, I should have looked that up. Um, I think Barker. Danny Barker, I thought, gave a pretty good performance. The movie's almost good. Just shy I'm with of you. Good I, I film, saw it at but... Scream Fest, I think, like a year ago or whatever. So, like, I've, I've seen it like the previous year. But yeah, I was, I thought, yeah, the work, it is Danny Barker. Yeah, I just looked um, it up too. Apologies. Danny Barker, yeah. I thought, yeah, good performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Decent, decent. That's fun. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's get to our next category. Let's talk about best first time horror director. Best first time horror director. Mark, what do you have as your winner here? Oh, my gosh. Um, so I'm going to go with the Philippus from Talk to Me. I think you have to, I mean, like, I just, I don't know. I know they've done their their YouTube shows, but they said this was like their first full-length feature, and I probably stole someone's someone's um, pick here. But I don't know, just knowing where they came from, watching them on YouTube, you know, like the Ronald McDonald stuff, and then just reading about them make this movie and, and hearing about where this movie came from. And like how they like know so much about horror movies. And like, I just think it was a very mature, like you see these guys on YouTube and they're maniacs. And then you watch this movie and it's just mature and scary. And I mean, it's quite gnarly and mature. And so, you, you know, you kind of think like these guys are first time, but I mean like first for first time the director put this together, but then the more I read about them, the no, the more I know that they've been making stuff on YouTube since they were like nine, uh, Danny and Michael are just, I don't know. They, they, they knew what they were doing. They made a good movie. I thought they they tackled it from a very thoughtful area. They wanted to ground a lot of the, like ground a lot of the action. You know, they they waited to shoot the opening scene at the end, to, like so they were more mature with their filmmaking. I just think all the decisions they made led to a big blockbuster hit. So, yeah, I got to go with Danny and Michael Philippu because, yeah, they just they knocked it out the park. Nothing wrong with that. I. Uh... Not much that you covered. I, I, I'm very, I'm very impressed by uh, what they delivered. I like watching them in interviews. They gave me that vibe of. I said this on, I think, the podcast, Mike, about talk to me that they gave me the same vibe as like Lee One L and James Wan back in the day, where hmm. saw I was cooler on by comparison. But I still like I liked those guys, and I was like, I want to see them do more. And then they obviously did nothing ever again, and that didn't become successful. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's the problem with James Wan and, and Lee Wanell. Um, but seriously, no, I, I really like the Philippines. What they did, Australia's got someone uh, cooking down there with, with uh, young horror directors. Um, Mike, how about you? Where are you at? Uh, yeah, ditto on Talk to Me. Uh, I, I didn't want to pick that one. I mean, I mean, Mark is right. It's it's kind of impossible to consider this category without a nod to Talk to Me because it was so hot this year, this last year. Um, but I am instead going to go with uh, Laura Moss, director of Birth Rebirth, yeah, mm -hmm. which I thought was uh, terrific. And I've said this on previous horror awards that we've done, but um, best first time director. The way I always interpret that is, who's who am I most excited to see what they do next? And that kind of narrows the list down for me. And I, and I thought, yeah, Laura Moss 
whatever she does next, I'm going to give an automatic chance. And I think that's why I ultimately ducked away from Talk To Me, because with them, as strong as that debut is, I feel like there's a bit of a stronger risk of a comparatively weaker sophomore film because they're going to be competing against so much of their mm -hmm. own hype. That's kind of the, the the risk of having such a first strong showing, right? So, um, I mean, maybe not, hopefully do, not. They're currently slated to do Street Fighter next. So we'll see with that where that goes. A, a Street Fighter movie? Yes. Oh. Let's hope there's some street fighting. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> a, a shot for shot remake of the JCVD classic. What if they did do that? <laughs> anyway, go back to Birth Through Birth. No, that's it. Uh, terrific movie, atmospheric, uh, spooky, weird. Um, yeah, highly recommend. Good. Um, I went with uh, Bomani J's story for uh, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Yay! Uh, a film that I really enjoyed. I uh, A bit biased because I, I actually did interview him <laughs> as well. Um, but I know, I... I I, I don't do many interviews. I'm very selective. I have very little time, but I was like, I really like this movie. And so I was happy to talk to about Bomani about it a little bit more, but I, you know, we have a lot, a lot of Frankenstein cinema that including birth rebirth to an extent, actually come to think of it. There's a lot of Frankenstein like cinema recently. Um, but this one, I, I really enjoyed it as far as how it's taking that story and applying a modern spin in a way that feels meaningful and not just like a, hey, we're taking the story and doing it now times, but instead, like, there is reasoning behind what we're going for. Um, there's there's social messages we're aiming at without being, like, overly preachy, because at the end of the day, it's still, you know, like, a kind of a B-movie. I mean, and, and, and it works well with its low budget and its limited locations. Um, it feels like a movie that you know, to, it, it feels like the movie where you needed a director to corral a certain set of people to get something done on the with the limited means they had and that's something i can always admire any film is tough to make like it's not like he's the first person to get that accomplished but i mean it, i still think there's given how much i like the movie i i'm happy with how how much the work seems to reflect the final product um so no i have a, he has enough potential there to to keep going i look forward to seeing you know especially in this age where as I've continually said, it's not like Peel started anything, but he certainly kind of kicked into gear more of a social filler type movies. And if uh, we have more directors that are kind of fueled by that, I'm excited to see that. So, Black Girl is Monster. That's my pick. No, I, I'm glad you said it because I, I, I'm not impartial myself. I've developed a friendship with Bomani over the last year and uh, wanted to shout it out, but felt it might be a little incestuous. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad it's getting mentioned. Stuff like like the, the the two movies we talked about, three movies we talked about so far that I kind of want my students to watch, like learn about making shorts and then turning them in, turning them like turning that into a feature length or or um, taking the budget that you have and making it look great. Like the locations that they find in that movie, like you really did stretch his budget. Like that's the stuff that gets me excited. And that movie really has some wonderful visuals. And it's yeah. quite mean. It was it's uh, it goes there. And I, I love that with it. I think it. I think it looks beautiful. And Birth Rebirth, geez Louise. So good. That's so good. I tend to think um, Frankenstein, like Invisible Man movies, tend to be meaner than the other ones. Like Dracula, Wolfman, yeah. they tend to be, Dra Wolfman tends to be tragic. 
Dracula <laughs> tends to be like, hey, he's so suave, who cares? He's killing people, I don't care. Frankenstein movies always seem like there's a, it's a tragedy and a meanness to them because of certain things. And Invisible Man is just like a monster. <laughs> it's like, he's just, like, the guy's an asshole all the time. Yeah, go back to the 30s, he's murdering people. He, he's, he has the highest yeah. kill count by far. Yeah. The Invisible Man. <laughs> Even like Hollow Man's kind of mean. That's like my least favorite. He's Verhoeven, a but, he's, he's yeah. a rapist. He's incredibly yeah. mean. He's yeah, the worst it's, one. It's terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man. Um, let's see. Other one. I had Birth Rebirth on my list. I had the Philippus, obviously. Uh, Kyle Edward Ball for Skinamarink. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to talk about like what uh-huh. the sophomore effort could be, like I'm not huge on Skinamarink, but I'm certainly like I'm intrigued by what he would keep going with. Uh, if it continues to be like experimental. Maybe it'll register more. Um, yeah, I'm not big on Skin and Marink either, so I'm it, I'm not sure if I would want him to do something experimental or do something drastically different just to show that he isn't just like a one trick pony. So I still not, feel like I, I feel like it would still be even if he did something completely different, it would still be experimental. And I I'm all for like ambition and stuff like Skin and again. Yes, I'm not huge on it, but I can't say I wasn't intrigued by this guy did something like I want like I don't I, I I doubt he would be like let me do that again like I feel like he probably was somewhere else at that point. Yeah, it might be more self conscious if he goes back to that kind of route. Like he knows what he had with Skin and Ring thing has to like up it and like I feel like there might be more of a self consciousness to it. So let me yeah it's uh, he'll he'll have another really exciting kind of second feature not exciting but to see how he because that movie's going to become big Skin and Ring or it is so it'll be fun to see what he does. I had attachment too, like Gabriel Beard. I had attachment like, also. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, uh-huh. I, 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 that was, I really enjoyed that. I saw that on your list and I, I had to go watch it. And so I, I, I dug the lead performances. So that's a solid debut right there. I have a moon garden on my list as well. Uh-huh. Uh, Ryan Stevens Harris. Attachments, Gabriel Beer Gizl, Gizlesson. Yeah. Gizlesson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Bill and Woman, once again, uh, Michelle Garza, Severa. Uh, uh, but I have a uh, sick of myself uh, from Christopher <laughs> Borley, who already made a sophomore film uh, for the dream scenario from last year. So he made sick myself first, though. So that's good. He so made, that yeah, it was like, we already we've already yeah. seen the the product of his second movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, I'm so happy that we're, we're including that as horror because it's definitely horror. Yeah, it's body horror. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> Um, unseen also Yoko Okamura. Um, I, I I quite like that movie. So awesome. Yeah. Anything else from you guys? I had a few there. I think I think I think we went through it. Ground. All right, well, let's move on. Let's so let's get to best makeup and visual effects. <laughs> Mark, what do you have for best makeup, visual, or visual effects? Okay, so I know this received a theatrical release in 2022 briefly, but it, it dropped on VOD on in May 2023, and. I would be remiss just not to talk about it. And it's this South Korean film by director Kim Hong Sun. And it, it it's called Project Wolf Hunting. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you know, I, I think I squeezed that in right at the end of the. Yeah. Like, of it's, yeah, that was, uh, it was a Beyond Fest. It was oh, Beyond yeah. Film, yeah. Okay. Uh, I heard about it. Someone went to Toronto and was like, Mark, you have to watch this when it comes out. So I think I did catch yeah, it in nuts. 2023. <laughs> but, like, there's 118 kills in it. They, they, it's nuts, and like, and like the 118 kills. It's not, it's not Arnold in in Commando. Like, it's, it's like I was watching the kill count today, and I, I, just to catch up on the kills. And I was like, this is insane. Like, and then I researched the director created new blood pumps for this, and just like, like this. So they had to create new blood pumps to to get all the blood 
going. And and you know it's kind of like they they planned this for a long time and like you know like when um like his favorite scenes like that when that when someone like this ear gets bitten off of somebody but they made the ear actually feel like a realistic ear and then there's just like a guy gets beaten to death with his own arm mm-hmm. I mean it's just like there's there's head crushes there's just I think that was one of my special awards last year. Something about uh, like ripping an arm off and beating a, beating somebody to death with it. <laughs> uh, if if we don't want to count that one, I have a I don't have backups. No, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, you just I had to count. I was like, because I saw it in twenty twenty three, so I uh, got the major release here. Like, well, go USA released it. But man, I remember watching that thing and just being like, this took forever to make. And the director said it took about you know six months of filming and six months of prep, and just. They're like, yeah, we would kill somebody, then the entire crew crew clean it up, and that would take a long time. Then we had to go on to to smash the next person. And like, I like that he said too. Like, they didn't use complicated martial arts. He's like, I wanted realistic, direct contact action driven by each character's intentions based on what they would do to kill another character in that situation. <laughs> and it, like, I'm telling y'all, like, Project Wolf Hunting is insane, and it's just beautifully gory. Like, just excess like yeah so i, th- I think yeah. i described it as like terminator meets the raid meets like reanimator or something like that <laughs> that, um, sounds, that sounds about right and if i'm yeah, not mistaken right. like i i doesn't like the lead character like we kind of lose lead characters constantly don't we <laughs> yeah. like we play yeah. like there's not really a perspective because like they keep dying <laughs> you keep thinking okay this is who we're going to be following and then they're like horribly murdered uh, yeah <laughs> it's I believe oh. I watched that and what Mike, Mike, do you remember what the it's the Korean film where like everybody goes nuts? Do you remember what movie I'm talking about? Well, like, it's that? like a like, some weird, like pandemic or something happens where like everyone well, becomes the, like murder crazy. A, the the sadness, sadness. is Taiwanese. The sadness. Yeah. Sorry, is it Taiwanese? Oh, Taiwanese. Sadness. Yeah. Oh my bad. Okay, yeah, it's Taiwanese. Yeah. I think I watched those back to back. And so I was pretty like, there's a lot of rough stuff. I need to like take a break. <laughs> yeah, that eye hole scene. Yeah, 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 yeah um that movie's crazy but i enjoyed it because it, it came across as kind of art but then the guy talked about how a lot of people watched it and when they were like oh man <laughs> this is crazy yeah. but yeah i i had to do project wolf hunting it felt right fair enough yeah mike how about you um i struggled with this one a bit but uh i decided the the one i mean i couldn't think of any one particular effect that left out at me but what i did pick was the woman from uh, from sick of myself um, you know, so so it's not visual effect; it's all makeup. But to yeah. see this, you know, con- you know, conventionally attractive woman disfigure herself deliberately, but it's also quite morbidly funny. And the whole thing hinges, I think, on the makeup effects that have to be convincing, not just in looking gross, but also plausible, like a plausible thing to happen to someone. Um, and so, given how central those makeup effects are to the impact of the film, both as a satire but also as a kind of body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think overall the film is terrific. Uh, so I was, I wanted to pull for that one. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I'll get to my runners up after this. Cause I had certainly a few, I wanted to like spotlight in some way. And it, it, there's ones that seem obvious based on like things that people know I like, uh, but I'm going there for a different direction. I'm going with Renfield. Um, specifically, specifically because I think the Nicholas Cage designs for his various states, of Dracula are very impressive. Uh, like he's not just Nick Cage for the movie. For like a good chunk of it, he's in like decrepit, decaying modes that I, really, I thought were really impressive to look at. Uh, they 
really just show like the like Dracula coming back to life and slowly like feeding, and they're just really elaborate and detailed. Uh, along with that, I mean, the movie itself, like regardless of what you think of the movie, I think it's verging on fine. I do think the the stuff done with the effects and the makeup are rather effect because it's far more R rated than I expected it to be. It really goes all out with uh, with really delving into that and what that would be to have this you know, exploding vampire punches and what have you. Along with, again, a very just good, interesting Dracula. I really take, and, and a, movie, a year that had a couple cool takes on Dracula makeup. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where I uh, ultimately landed. People don't just die in Renfield. They they <laughs> die. Like, they, they they die hard. Like, they explode. There's yeah. no, like, chill kills, like, in the apartment complex. And, like, yeah, that went a lot harder and harder than I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the movie was like better, but like, yeah, it, it, when it goes for action, it certainly uh, wants to deliver something. Oh yeah, um, I have plenty of others. You guys have any others you want to throw in? Saw ten. Saw ten. I mean, wonderful leg rips and brains, and yeah, just wonderful <laughs> to look at. Um, there's some good horror and gore moments in Deliver Us. You saw that one? No, um, Deliver Us. No, Deliver Us. I haven't seen is it. the title. It, yeah, it's like sort of Catholic demonic possession stuff, but there's a lot of sort of carving runes into people's okay, bodies. Movie, yeah, I didn't see it, but I know what movie this is. Okay, skinning them and things like that. Yeah, it's 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 got some effective gore. Um, my, my favorite sort of a gore moment. It's not a kill. Um, it's from the conference, which is a yes. slasher. <laughs> yeah. It involves like st- stitching someone's forehead together after it's been kind of carved up, and it's 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 good and squishy and gross. Great kitchen fight too. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a good slasher. Malum has some good explosions. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, things I was alluding to were Evil Dead Rise because those all oh, they man. always go hard as far as the, the, the blood uh-huh. and stuff is concerned. Um, Godzilla minus one is literally an Oscar nominee for visual effects right now, so I mean like, I'm not going to not mention it. Um, honestly, talk to me has good makeup uh, throughout it, like it it when you have like demons and stuff going on like it looks good and uh yeah. uh thank what no i was gonna say if if we wanted to broaden this out not just the visual effects but to just sort of production design generally i think talk to me has the best prop of the year which is sure. the, the hand mm-hmm. just in, instantly iconic right that's just a great piece of uh of prop design yeah i don't Please. disagree like A24 was selling those and I was like, oh, I should buy one. Like that's all <laughs> like I don't know. for their yeah. famously cheap prices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Only $200. I mean, when evil lurks too. When evil lurks. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it's appropriately gory the it, tr- for, a, for a major studio film. No less too. It's, it, it goes, it goes there. The trash can kill just made me laugh or the dumpster smash. That was good. And uh, Megan, um, Megan has, I mean, Megan looks no. convincingly like a real doll that exists and everything. <laughs> like, doing the job. Oh, and kids versus aliens. Of course. How can I forget kids oh. versus aliens? Some good melting. I'm going to come back to that later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the um, the Thai movie called The Lake? It's like a creature no. feature. But I, I know it. Good, but, uh... The creature design is pretty, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I haven't watched it. I'm huge in aquatic creature features and I haven't watched a movie called The Lake. 
that's like the big blind spot I think I have. So I'll have to run that creature. this week. Yeah. And uh, the, the last voyage of the Demeter, the other Dracula of the year, which uh, I'm disappointed in the Academy for not putting that in makeup. They always get like a random horror movie in there. And I thought that had a real shot. I do think the the look of Dracula is pretty cool in that movie. Man, I like Mark, that would you Mark, would you consider that one uh Yep. An AC an ACF? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> They're close to the water. Close to, listen, there's like it's like 90% surrounded by water. So uh yeah, definitely consider that to be aquatic creature feature. Like deep rising. Yeah, I mean, like that creature comes from the ocean, but it's in the boat the whole time. So, you know, like that's still aquatic creature right. feature to me. What what Demeter gets right is that I mean Dracula is always a sort of European aristocrat, right? And to, to say no, he's this this hell demon. Yeah. You know, he was he was a human being, but now he's this and so what you have is this cross between kind of this infernal bat monster and a little bit of Gollum and just like no, there's nothing sexy about Dracula. It's it's a demonic, hissing, snarling creature with wings, mm-hmm. right? That's that's a very cool. Uh, it's probably not an original take, but it's it's a it's a good one. And yeah, this is what if what if Nosferatu flies? I mean, that's that's what they're coming with. It, 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 yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, 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 it reminds. But what's the Flanagan show on the island? Um, the Midnight right? Mass. Midnight Mass. Like it had that that vampire has like a similar design as well, where it's like it exists as like a it's a a being that can communicate, but it's also like a flying monster thing that you just don't want to be near. Like when I knew that the dude who directed Troll Hunter and the Autopsy of Jane Doe made it, like I, I, I knew it had to be somewhat good and offered somewhat interesting. And yeah, I really dug the Last Voyage of the Demeter. Makes the movie makes me happy. Yeah, it's under a little underrated. I think it's maybe not it, excellent, but it, it deserved to be a little higher. I think yeah, on yeah, the tomato was, meter or whatever you go you go by. It was one I was looking forward to the most. That's hard just because like that's such a cool concept. Like let's mm-hmm. take this chapter and make a book or make a movie out of it. And yeah. um, like, yeah, I, w- I, I didn't give it like five stars, but I certainly liked it. I, I appreciated what it was going for. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on. Let's get to our next award, which is our first of three special awards. These are always exciting. Mark, what is your first special award for the evening? All right. So best covered in blood moment award. Uh-huh. All right. So there's a lot of good ones. Like Candyland had some good ones. Wrath of Becky, Evil Dead Rise, Malum, When Evil Lurks, Talk to Me. A lot of people covered in blood, but I'm going to go with the outwaters on okay. this one because there's some great covered in blood moments and a lot of squishy noises and tentacles. And so, yeah, I would say that it, I would say that features that's the best covered in blood moment award. I'm going to give that to the outwaters. Nice. Yeah. Felt Are you right. referring to the, the, the ending scene? It was like remember. When, when like there's several people just covered head to toe in blood, and then there's that scene where the tentacles cover cover them up, and then she's covered in all that goo, okay. and it kind of like explaining it seems kind of dirty, and like the thing kind of like yeah they're all covered in blood, and then she starts like just there's multiple there's the guy with the axe who's covered in blood, then he's covered in blood, and then they get in that one scene where they're getting pulled down by all the tentacles, and then they get covered in all the goo. There's just a lot of blood. Or goo, or red viscous liquid <laughs> that that they get covered in. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with. But I would say specifically, if I had to pick one scene, it's when they all start, like when they wrap around his ankles and the crunching, and then she gets hit by it, and then it's just an odd scene. So yeah, I'll say best covered in blood moment goes to that scene. All right, Mike, what is your first special award? 
and I'm calling this the best diss on my profession, which is the Samara weaving cold open from Scream 6. <laughs> uh, <laughs> In which, in which she plays a film studies professor who's blathering on about cultural theory or something before getting stabbed to death. Um, I naturally found that very amusing, but there is a flaw in that scene, which is that if I'm remembering correctly, she calls herself an associate professor and anyone currently working in the academy would know that adjunct professor is way funnier. I mean, I don't need to tell you guys, am I right? But, uh, hey, I'm an adjunct instructor who teaches film studies, so I get it. Right. Yeah. That's 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 just funnier. Or or call her a visiting lecturer or something like that's 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 the sweet spot, but okay, it's still very funny. Yeah. Well, clearly those guys don't know what they're doing. They should not make the next one and they should cancel the movie. <laughs> it sounds like it might not be a bad idea. Is that yeah, that's yeah, a, don't do it, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hit, hit, hit a reset on this one, guys. See, um, if they would have had me in that movie, I would have been like, all right, so the hallway fight in Old Boy and then the shark scene in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, I wouldn't have been as pretentious for talking about theory. I just would have been talking about hallway <laughs> fights and kitchen fights, bathroom yeah. fights. Um, probably go on a tangent for a half hour about, I don't know, child's play. Remember we watched like Scream 6 and uh, Tony, Tony Revolori takes his mask off and we're like, is this what we're going to do for this movie? Are we going to know the whole time? And then it didn't do that. It didn't do the <laughs> interesting thing that would have been kind of neat to see. I, on the other hand, would have deservedly died really fast for just saying a bunch of stuff that's a bit pretentious and pompous <laughs> <laughs> and like using words like hegemony to describe uh, my position. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my uh, my first special award is the Invitation Award for Best Use of the Concept of Bringing People Together for a Reunion or Gathering of Sorts, only to reveal that we're actually dealing with a spooky situation. And I'm handing that to Brooklyn 45, uh, a film that I really enjoy. Um, and I, I, needed a, I needed a chance to shout it out somewhere. And so the special award is where it happens. Uh, it's a film, it's a period piece uh, involving World War II veterans, um, who think they're coming to like a reunion of sorts with their fellow comrades, but actually, uh oh, it's a seance, and uh oh, it works. Uh, and then if that's not enough, it becomes like Twelve Angry Men for like a middle portion of it as well. <laughs> so um, this movie just had it all. Uh, I really like this movie a lot. I think it's really well acted. I think it uh, is effective in telling the story it's going for. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a great use of a bait and switch as far as why these people have gathered in this location. Um, Best yeah. person in a closet. Has a good closet person, yeah. Good CP. <laughs> that one would work as a play as well. It really, it does have like a stage aspect to it that I appreciate. Um, but it can work when too. it comes to like the seance stuff. Like it has some moves that I, I was, I wasn't sure like how big it would go with some of the gore or what have you. And it's like you know, it has some moments and torture because that's always fun. Um, My only issue with that movie is the amount of whiskey they drink. Like they walk over, pour half a drink, like a half a glass. And just slam it. And then like a couple of minutes later, they go back and do the same thing. Like half hour. Like I feel like most of these people would just been passed out. Have you been to war, seance. Mark? They have. <laughs> <laughs> they drink whiskey for breakfast. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that lifts up your tolerance. That's for <laughs> they've, sure. They've seen some stuff. <laughs> All right. Speaking of seeing some stuff, let's get to our next category. Best kill. Best kill. This should be fun. I have a lot of options here. Mark, what's your pick for best kill? Oh, so I went through so many of them and I'm not going to mention them now. 
But since I'm a Sean William Scott fan and I like <laughs> Wrath of Becky and I like Trapped and I like guests yeah. that have multiple steps to them, literal in this one, I'm going to take the bear, the, the bear trap kill at the end of Wrath of Becky that happens to Daryl Jr. when he goes out. I just, just, it's pretty brutal too because he steps on a bear trap, then he steps on another bear trap, and then he falls forward and lands head first into a bear trap. And then Becky just sits there and watches him die and she's enjoying it. And then at the end of it, he just goes, well done. Like he, he gives her props for that kill. Like she knew where he would yeah, game game recognizes game. You know, <laughs> I, I like wrath of Becky quite because I didn't like Becky very much. Yeah. I, I admired parts, parts of it, but I also, I felt like it felt too satisfied with like, Oh, look, we cast Kevin James. This one, I, I like Sean Williams Scott a lot. I feel like he's very underrated as far mm-hmm. as what he's capable of. And so like seeing him be here is like, this just works better. I like, I like what it's doing more. And yeah, it has some, it has some gnarly kills in it as well. Like, you know, it's like there's the grenade and the head explosion. There's machetes. Yeah, one of those. Nice in the heads. <laughs> and it, you know, I just, I, I, I watched it and it's so straightforward that it's refreshing. Like it's, it's wildly straightforward. And I was like, is it going to be a twist? Is there going to be a turn? No, just, just don't mess with Becky. And it's, but yeah, it's just she like knew he would step on it, then knew he would step on the other one, and then fall perfectly into the other one. Like that's that just uh, it makes it's me like worry. jigsaw levels, jigsaw level of premonition. Yeah, it's uh, it's just she should she should apprentice for him. Yeah. Oh wow, would she go rogue though? Would she be a good apprentice cross, for jigsaw? Cross well, I mean, given where it goes, I mean, it's only a matter of time till she just decides she has to take matters into her own hands. <laughs> also most unlikely sequel because i did not see that coming when it when it was when i saw like an email for wrath of i was like there's another one it's like that just really caught me off guard uh, just yeah i don't is know is there I, a talk of a third one because it I ends on a, a setup yeah i mean they, they cost like two million to make yeah they're, they're cheap like, that's yeah, the thing yeah you can you can because the first one came out during the pandemic this one actually had was in theaters um it still didn't make much but uh I love uh, it. There, I'll... Let's see, it says there's ongoing discussions currently. So that no, well, no, now it says confirmed. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's coming. Three, oh. three bear traps. The um... saw only uses one, and it's reversed. So like, the, who cares? This is Becky three to search for Spock. <laughs> Wait, so she's going after whales? Is that yes. the whale one? No, the whale one's a different one. I oh, don't know. She's going after whale. Because I, oh, okay. I don't care about Star Trek. So I'm, I'm lost in this conversation already. So she's battering um, Zachary, Zachary Quinto. That'd yes. be good. And he's like Nosferatu. He'd be a good. I could see him pitting it as a another white supremacist in a <laughs> Becky film. Yeah. Zachary Quinto. <laughs> Put him in here. The, let's do it. I feel like that's a weird compliment. He could play a good white supremacist. <laughs> Mike, what's your uh, best kill? <laughs> I'm going to go with really any number of kills from when evil lurks okay um the the self-axing is great for instance but but i really have to go with the little girl on the pit bull i i titled that dog day afternoon (laughs) well i mean hey uh uh, sorry for the inside joke mark but aaron i actually considered when evil lurks as one of my special awards which i was going to call best pandering to mike dylan's love of seeing children being brutalized (laughs) um it's the way that that dog attack is staged and framed is just so awful and brutal and yet so completely outrageous that it's going to take a lot to convince me that that moment isn't supposed to be a little bit funny. It has to be, um, right? It, it has, it to, has be. to be. It's so absurd. Um, well, I mean, 
that's just my way of saying I burst out laughing in the in a crowded theater and nobody else seemed to. See, so. so I watched yeah. a screener. Okay, so I, did so I wasn't with people. So I was by myself, just like real. I was just like, watch that dog. Like I just I couldn't like like guys, the dog. Come on. <laughs> like, <we> gotta... Yeah. <sighs> I, I love a drawn out. It's like I remember what screen five, he's opening up all the refrigerators and cabinets yeah, and like yeah. they're just the, messing the with you. And, stuff, uh -huh. yeah. and yeah. this one kind of does that too. It's just they're it draws out a lot because it has like this whole conversation happening in another room and you're watching the dog well. It's really it's really <laughs> tense. <laughs> I'm laughing at it though, because it's such a long setup for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was good. And the axe of the face. Jeez always. Uh, mine is the um, reverse car cam kill in suitable flesh. <laughs> um, if I'm trying to think of most memorable kill scene, that's the one. Um, I've not uh -huh. seen that before. It's awesome. Um, it happens multiple times where there's a car with the reverse camera on it, so you can see the you see the rearview mirror cam from the bumper, and you just see a car like ram into a guy, drive forward, ram again rinse repeat rinse repeat it's like well that's good <laughs> that's that's a, that's uh that's when the movie like really starts going off the leash as far as like what it's capable of like i like suitable flesh fair enough that second half is where it really kind of like rides into the now let's get crazy with it kind of stuff and uh it does and it's very uh it's very satisfying to to see something like that because i just haven't seen it before it's even better than a, the, the decapitation in it i would say because we've yeah. seen decapitations we haven't seen that Cabotins or Diamond Dozen. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Joe Lynch, uh, the director of Suitable Flesh, Joe calls that scene the, the smashing. Okay. That was his nickname for it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, um, Heather Graham goes for it. it. Makes me happy. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> I have a few others. Um, the There's the melting in Kids versus the Aliens, where we see it. Speaking of pandering to Mike Dillon, we see a, a, young, a young girl uh, melted in alien goo uh, face first. Um, the, uh, I had another Wrath of Becky scene when, when she does the machete kill and gets blood all over just because it's it's like a lot of it's like a lot of release of anger in that scene and it's a, can, a hack can I, yeah, can I say so I also had a Wrath of Becky reference but it was in the context of my wanting to not leave this segment without paying tribute to all the um, in the mouth kills I enjoyed this yeah. past year <laughs> so like Blood and gold, Nazi gold bar in the mouth. Wrath of uh -huh. Becky, grenade in the mouth. Mad Heidi, accordion through the mouth. <laughs> Fast Charlie, root beer bottle through the mouth. Godzilla, airplane in the mouth. And um, mine in the mouth. And mine in the mouth, although that's not a kill. Um, I mean, what is? Argue, I guess arguably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, good year for it. Sounds uh, like a data article I would write. I love this. Sounds great. The, uh, the old brain surgery in Saw X, of course, oh, yeah. as on there. Um, the the one good part of Cocaine Bear, which is the whole ambulance massacre sequence. I think that actually is that's that feels uh -huh. like where they they worked backward from that because uh, that's like the highlight of that movie. Uh, Parker Posey dying and Bo is afraid. Yes, it's very funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, I just listened to her memoir too, and so then when seeing that you see that scene. Just... <laughs> Um, I just laugh when I think about that movie. Is that bad? No. Okay. Uh, more child death. The last voyage of the Demeter. Uh, the the boy in that movie, uh, Woody Norman from uh, Come on, Come on. Uh, speaking of Bo is afraid and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, he becomes like he gets bitten, becomes a vampire, so he's dead, and then he's like awakened in the sunlight and bursts into flames. And it's like, okay, <laughs> we've we've destroyed this child. No one's safe in this movie. <laughs> 
That was gnarly. The Meg Two has the jet ski kill of the shark. Oh, the kick, like a front mm-hmm. kick into a into a. No, Jason. Oh wait, no, C- you're the other kill. Okay. Yeah, shark jumps out of the water, creates yeah. a huge wave that that cast like Statham rides on a jet ski and he just cascades into another shark and I think he throws the bomb like the bomb into the close to the shark's mouth. Yeah, and then that shark explodes. You know, yes. I'd like to see any of the Oscar nominees pull that off believably. I'm just saying, like, I don't think any, maybe Giamatti, but that's it. Like, I, I think, I think. I was thinking when he does a good front kick and knocks the guy into the. <laughs> oh, into yeah. The... <laughs> um, those are basically the two things I remember from the Meg, too. Honestly, <laughs> but uh, uh, Thanksgiving again, uh, there's a whole carving Kathleen um, sequence where. Oh, and Thanksgiving. And then they feed her to others it's it's a lot um and the, that latter thing in scream at and scream x scream uh six where they she gets she's already stabbed a budge and then ghost faces he's on a ladder and ghost faces rocking the ladder around and then she falls to her mm. death and then her head That's hits the garbage scene, yeah. her hair her head gets, hits the garbage yeah. can like on the way so it's like yeah insult to injury <laughs> dark and harvest has the, the basement scene which one? Sorry. Dark Harvest has the basements. Oh, the yeah, 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 scene. yeah. Uh-huh. And you know what? The initial kills in the passenger hit hard, too. They're not exactly oh, okay. creative, but they just oh, felt very... In the uh, restaurant? Yeah, when he gets yeah, the kid and the girl. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Oh. There it is. Yeah. Mike, do you have any um, Yeah, if you like bow and arrow kills, there's some good ones in Fear of the Night. Yeah. Theme movie, but... I hated that movie he, so he, much, yeah. but yes. Not, it has not a some... good movie, but... <laughs> Bows and arrows, yeah. Um, Maggie Q, a, the protege. Maggie Q. <laughs> the the movie I referenced earlier, the conference has a like a buzz saw in <laughs> a hot tub. That's that's nice and gory and and all that. The the puppet man on Shutter also has some good ones. Yeah, did you guys see a Spanish movie called Everyone Will Burn? Yes, I saw that I at Screenfest a couple years ago. Also, I that one. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it's it's a couple years old, but it came out. I think yeah, it came out last year. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a death involving a man drowning himself in a toilet bowl. That's kind of different and and creepy. Uh, I don't know if you remember this moment, but I, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. So I mean, those kind of stuck out to me as I was thinking of this list. All right, that just got added to the list. Everyone will burn. That's a, it's a good one. I like that one a lot, actually. Yeah. Right Although down. I will say one of my favorite, one of my favorite, not kill, but sort of a violent moment is the cheese grater from Evil Dead. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah just, it's, it's just great. You feel that, like the glass eating yeah. and then the cheese grater, that's woofta. There's a bit in The Killer where Fastbender's like grabbing things in the kitchen, like from above his head, you can't see, and he grabs something and it's like a little a mini cheese, cheese grater. grater. <laughs> I'm like, and I was like, and the way he looks yeah. at it is like, <laughs> like oh i just saw this on max <laughs> the world um, all right kitchen fights <laughs> kitchen fights are good uh next thing we have here is scariest scene of the year mark what is your scariest scene uh so it actually just got touched on but i, I just want to bring it up like an evil dead rise that movie got me like yep. you know the, the opening kills with the scalping and then just the brutality of that and it, it it kind of re- made me remember how brutal the Evil Dead remake was that came out in what 2014, 2013, 2014. Just that was had some gnarly moments to it, but yeah, it's not too creative. But I'm gonna go with the glass eating and then the cheese grater because you know, you there's like these kids in the house, and then the, the, the daughter gets it and she starts eating this. 
oh man, she just starts eating this glass and then she jumps down and then the cheese, like that cheese grater, you feel like you feel that. And it just, man, that, that moment get, and then just, uh, it's a kitchen fight. So, um, but I mean that, that but glass didn't... eating, cause they got those close-ups on the neck and everything. Yeah. When it goes down the throat and mm-hmm. you know, I know it's not like a jump scare or anything, but that movie did a very good job of making me feel uncomfortable. And like, I, I, like Jason Dougherty, he worked on Pearl RX. He was a prosthetic makeup supervisor. Hannah Wilson, she did Ash vs. Evil Dead. She was the makeup supervisor. And Adam Johansson, he was a creature designer. He works on like Extraction and Fury Road. I looked up the team who did all these effects. And there's like a pretty legit crew of people who worked on these. And just reading about how much fake blood was used and, and just the elevator scenes. and But that moment yeah. in particular, that cheese grater, that just... It was either that or the opening, but I had to pick one because of all the movies I watched this year, I went home after Evil Dead Rise and I just kind of sat there in bed just like, oh man, this, I don't know, it was pretty unsettled that night. I don't think I slept well, so I had to have Evil Dead Rise and the the glass eating and the cheese grater. I just, that was my my scariest moment. You guys want to hear a joke? Yeah. Yeah. I heard this recently. Um... So I have a blind friend and I gave him a cheese grater as a gift. And he told me it was the most violent book he's ever read. <laughs> we can move on. All right. That was, that was a cheesy joke. Uh, no, it was great. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was Gouda. I was going to say, <laughs> Jesus. Um, what I was going to say is that Raimi doesn't Leave joke around. Leave it in. I'm not cutting that. Raimi doesn't joke around with his stuff. Like I, I like that he, finds people that it's like yeah they want they want to go hardcore with this that's that's my series so and And they did and campbell um mike what's your scariest scene i'm doing the scott derrickson segment from vhs 85 okay um uh i i guess they're i mean the 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 spooky scenes are sort of like a serial killer's home videos from his pov Mm mm-hmm and what really kind of got under my skin is it's set to this really creepy soundscape. Um, so I don't know if I if, if scary is accurate, but it fucking creeped me out. Um, right. And it, it, you know, the more I thought about it, it made sense because that kind of grainy home video gimmick was also used in what is one of the greatest jump scares of the last 20 years, which is also by Scott Derrickson and Sinister. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. And of course, referring to the lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's that's a a sequence that really kind of the more i watched it the more i found myself getting increasingly kind of creeped out and agitated uh so i'm going with that yeah that did that did get me that was yeah there were some gnarly scenes and that was very upsetting i would i would say that's the right word yeah i mean the vhs films are always a bit hit and miss but i thought from this latest film the scott derrickson segment was that's a highlight yeah it's a highlight. It kind of set apart from the other ones. Good old Gunther. Um, I had like we already talked about it. Like I had the dog scene from Winnie the Works, is <laughs> because for me watching it, I was like, like I could look at it absurdly as far as the result of it, but I do think the tension building to it is very effective. But I'll pivot. Nah, because... that belongs in funniest moment. I'll I'll pivot. I'll pivot. <laughs> save that for save it for later. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go with the self harm and talk to me. Uh, from the the oh. younger the younger brother because it's the kind of thing where yeah, there's so <laughs> Jesus, there's so much, 
that he's doing to himself and you're just sitting there like stop it <laughs> let this end and even the way to stop it is like the sister like puts her hand under him to like break the fall and so she like breaks her fingers in the process it's like it's just rough uh, like watch you know watching a head slam let alone self-slamming it's it's crazy and you're just sitting there like waiting for like so what happens when somebody goes over it's like here's the result and it's not good and it's you know a child like and specifically like the youngest child in this whole movie and so it's like this is this is this is upsetting to watch like it's it's not fun to see this happening to a kid that did not want to do this oh man and then the event horizon hell scenes too were quite creepy We've had our say on that on this podcast. <laughs> yep, not, I need not, I need not enough for Mike, apparently. No. <laughs> more, 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 more uh, depraved activities were needed to, to win to win him over. They said it went for two minutes, so uh, there could be a director's cut. And they haven't been placed in a Transylvanian salt mine to rot, so we might still see those extended cuts. Um, other scenes, um, the the Godzilla boat chase is very tense. Um, and I really like it. Um, every I've seen this movie four fucking times. Every time I watch, it, I'm like, are they gonna get away? Like I'm just like always. It's that Godzilla's gonna get them. Um, the 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 Bone Woman uh, thing. Um, that one's on my my list here. Um, Wolf the foot. Yeah, Insidious, the Red Door. Not a film I re- really liked, but I did. I think the cat scan sequence is effective. Yeah, Insidious knows how to do that kind of stuff pretty well. Um. There's a couple scenes in the Royal Hotel um, where there is one particular bar patron that's just like very menacing. And uh, there's a couple scenes like that where he's just like around and I don't know exactly what's going to happen. So like it just it, like unnerves me in the right kind of ways. That's what I got. Michael, what about you? My my biggest runner up was Malum. Uh, yeah, I'd say multiple scenes from it. I thought Malum was terrific, and I couldn't narrow it down. Of, that was my problem, so that's why I didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could probably yank out a couple of moments if I need to, but just in terms of generating tension on a limited budget, I thought he did. Um, the director is uh, Anthony De Blasi. I thought if he just goes places uh, that are surprising and interesting, and he just does a great job. I hope he gets to do more. I want him to remake this one again. Yeah, okay. Do it a, do it a, a third three, time. A threefer. Yeah. <laughs> I finally got it. <laughs> more blood, more covered in blood. Yeah. Mark, how about you? Uh, there's scary scenes. Oh, uh, I, I think we went through a lot of them. Yeah. The insidious. That was a good pull. The insidious red door. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the dog moment's funny. <laughs> All right. There's so there's you one scene. That, yeah, there's one scene that really impressed me. It's not scary but it's great it's at the end of totally killer which uh-huh. is otherwise i thought pretty so so but the climactic fight involves their like what's it, was, it called like a tilt a world or some kind of it's not the tilt a world it's but it's like the spinning saucer ride thing yeah yeah like gravitron um, or something like that yeah not not a horror moment but i thought that was a great bit of action design for i, for I agree yeah. i agree because that's one of my favorite rides whenever i go to a fair and i always i like turning myself upside down when I go on that ride. They're like, they're going to walk in it. That's crazy. <laughs> all right, weirdo. Um, all right. Best, uh, next week was here. Next award here. Best horror moment in a non-horror movie. This is always one of my favorite categories. Mark, what's your best horror movie in a non-horror movie? So this one's odd, but it felt right. So I'm going to stick with it. So there's a scene in Blackberry with Carrie Ells. And uh-huh. he's just so 
anyway, like he just looks like a predator in it. And it, he's just, you know, like Jay Baruchel types, this guy is insane. And he's just like, he's just, I don't know. He's like, you guys love saying sorry. And he's just creepy. And I don't know. He's just like hockey's moron. Like this, the whole takeover scene, like everything's going so good for him. And then he shows up with his Palm pilot and he's just carry. I don't know. Carriel's really hit something. I didn't know he had in him. And he just looks like this kind of wolf. And it, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm saying horror is they have that. Like it's a, I guess it's a hostile takeover. So that's horrorish. But yeah, he. Well, it's a non-horror movie, so I mean, I, I like I appreciate the outside the box thinking on the Blackberry is not a movie I expected to come up at all. But I don't know. He's just there's some about him, and like you know, my wife has watched it. She watched by when I was rewatching the scene. She's like, "Yeah, he looks, he looks creepy in this. Like he just the way he talks, and he's talking about two liter of soda and two liter bottle of smartphones, and he's just he's off his rocker there. Mm-hmm. He's like, can I keep everything? He's like, no. Like this is a very it's um i know the movie's very aggressive it's about selling your business getting it going the rise and fall like this is like i don't know this 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 scene has a vibe to it that's different from the entire movie and that's why i went to it almost immediately so my scene is from blackberry and cariel's creepy kind of four or five minute cameo or not cameo side supporting performance sure yeah Yeah. good pick yeah interesting pick um, I'm going with the leg waxing scene from Polite Society. <laughs> that's a really, that's a great pick. <laughs> oh, really yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously done more for parody. So it's, I don't know, not a true horror moment, but it's, it's very amusing in how it invokes the lighting and the music cues and the tone of horror for comedic effect. And it's kind of a welcome little funny moment in an otherwise uh, amusing movie. A good pick. I, like I was that. just watching that the other day, and I love that movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I have mine the more straightforward. I have the car crash scene in Ferrari, um, <sighs> mainly because I didn't know anything about that race going into it, and so the shock that I had of the situation being presented and how matter of fact it was is like, oh boy, okay, this is pretty uh, hardcore, and uh, the in the way man displays it, it's very it just it punctuates what it's doing um, it's set up well enough and then it happens and it's like oh okay that's that's a lot of uh, carnage uh, that I, I just wasn't aware of um, so that's that's what I had it, it, it left me aghast when I when I watched it in the theater yeah I did not know that was gonna happen yeah. um other things I have here uh let's see uh Nicholas Cage in dream scenario when he's the farts <laughs> Because that's like the most uncomfortable scene. Yeah, I mean, the ones were like when it starts getting evil, but like he's still very passive. Um, <laughs> that, 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 those are just like those are really creepy to me. Um, well, the whole movie, the whole movie basically plays like an existential horror film, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I still like I don't like sick of myself. I call horror dreams there. I just I didn't filter into that category. Also, I didn't pick it as my winner either, so I'm not worried about it. Um, the, the Society of the Snow, I think those avalanche and like plane crash sequences are really harrowing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Zone of Interest, there's there's a sequence where like the, the mother of one of the characters is kind of like just watching out of a window in horror of what's going on and kind of realizing like just how awful everything is. And uh, it's, it's quite effective. Mm-hmm. 
Saltburn, I think, has some great tense moments where you think something horrific might happen, and even in some ways kind of does. But I do think like the tension build for certain sequences, like it, it, a couple degrees of different direction, they easily could turn to a horror movie in a number of places. Uh, so those are ones I considered. That weird Dante yeah. scene in Fast 10 where he's painting the nails of two corpses. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, what? Like, did they just... This guy's a lot. Were like, were they yeah. waiting on a stunt? Like, were they just bored and they're like, "Hey, Momoa, go do something." Okay, like, hey, let's 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 desecrate two corpses. And all yeah, we may need a we may need a best what the fuck moment yeah. um, category <laughs> next year. Because I, I was like, this is this is, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm the fast movies have never done something like that. Like they've willy nilly killed people, but just watching him talk to two corpses. Well, they added a Joker, basically. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had. I, I don't know if. I mean, this is a little horror adjacent because it's an apocalyptic film, but there's a great body horror scene involving teeth in Leave the oh. World Behind. Uh huh. Which was which was yummy. Um, I also like that was movie? thinking. Uh, I was lukewarm on it. Yeah, like so I, th- there are things in it that I really like, but overall it didn't really jump. I like it more than I didn't, but I certainly like I appreciate what it's after. I, I think Esmail has some. It's very showy, but I still appreciate it. It's overdirected. Is, yeah, is that's the problem. A, that's a good way to yeah. put it. Um, I also had the ending of RMN. I had that too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's arguably a film with horror undertones throughout, but uh, uh, as I'm sure you'll agree, then it takes a very strange direction at the end. Uh, like literally the final shot is yeah. sends it into some weird territory, um, which I, I don't want to go into because it's it's the ending of the movie. It's obviously, a, yeah, but... yeah. All right. Let's hey, move did you on. guys yeah. did, real quick? Did you guys see a British film called Accused? No. Accused. It's a, it's a thriller. Um, it's a thriller, but it's quite terrifying. It's about uh, a Muslim kid who. So there's a bombing somewhere in a terrorist bombing somewhere in London. And the media released a photo of, of a suspect that was caught on CCTV. And it has a passing resemblance to him, even though he has nothing to do with anything. And without him knowing, this whole online campaign um, just steamrolls um, through everything. Snowballs, rather. Um, and someone identifies, hey, is that that's so-and-so from such-and-such? And someone doxes him. And these sort of white supremacists come around to... to take justice into their own hands because they have the wrong guy. I and mean, the whole thing is like a house invasion thriller. And it's, it's quite scary. It sounds good. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's good. <laughs> Accused. Tubi's crushing it with some of their releases right now. I watched some of the, some of the lists that you gave me. I found a lot of them on Tubi. So yeah. When in doubt. Yeah. All right. Uh, next category we have here. Best horror villain. Best horror villain. Mark, who'd you come up with for your best horror villain this year? Okay, so I know you, you two, like, I don't even know if I'm, how, how I totally feel about the movie, but I kind of just had to take the entity from Skinamarink because, I mean, I just, after spending a lot of time with the movie, researching it, and just, like, hearing about how much of, like, uh, like the popularity popularity it's gained, like, it was just called The Voice in the Dark, you know, the, the director did, like, two, he recorded his voice as a male, then a female, then, like, put a process them together. And then, like, he just said the monster, like, I thought it was interesting. Like, the monster in the script is always referred to as just a voice in the dark, but people call it, like, the entity, the demon, the skin of the monster. And I just think it's a, 
I think it's a horror villain that will have a pretty good long life in the genre, I guess, with people who love the film and people really do have like connected to the movie. So I think just as far as maybe long term, even if it's a one off, I think the entity or the voice in the dark is going to have a pretty long life. So I went with that. And meanwhile, the entity is also taking over uh, the IMF and doing all kinds of things. <laughs> Watch out. Uh, hey, entity. creepy, ca- creepy Carrie Ellis. Oh, Carrie yeah. Ellis. Yeah. yeah. He was he, there. <laughs> and then he was in Operation Fortune. He, he wasn't too creepy in that, but he was Carrie Ellis had a good year. Yeah. I trust <laughs> it. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I, in the final shots with the face and just the, the kids and the, whatever, like stab your eye out and just, it, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting character that you're never quite sure of. And so that's, I don't know. And like reading the theories about it and I had to work on a, a project for it and just all the theories about it and just the, the thesis about it from people who just really took to the movie. So I just wanted to give, like, I want to talk about this movie somewhat because of just the buzz it had, but it just felt right to include the voice in the dark. Yeah, no, like I, I have it. I have it referenced kind of throughout my list in different places, just because like, even though I'm not huge on it, I still, I respect what it's after. I just, I wish I liked it more, but I like, I have, I've been drawn to it enough to like, keep it in mind, by the way, unrelated, but the accused is directed by the same guy that did boiling point. So now I'm really into this. Like I want to, Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I wonder why I, I, I must've missed that. So uh, yeah, yeah check it out. It's, it's on my list. I'm checking this out. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Mike, what's your horror villain? Or, or not to be <laughs> sorry not sorry um i should start one called not to be not to be. a streaming site called not to be seems like a nathan fielder thing to do <laughs> has he done that i he did dumb starbucks dumb Star- <laughs> uh i liked the teeth monster from moon garden Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't care. I I didn't care much for the film overall. I thought it was a little too too much of a pastiche of other things. Um, but I liked this creature as a as a a design effort. Um, it was quite impressive and inventive, and I think maybe most most importantly, quite menacing. And so, yeah, that's the one thing in, in an otherwise underwhelming movie experience I had, where I thought, yeah, this this works for me. I think this is pretty cool. Wish they'd saved it for a stronger film, <laughs> but um, menacing was where I had my head at when I just decided to go with Mia Goth in Infinity Pool. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think she's terrifying in the movie, um, and like just willing to do whatever. And at the same time, there's a there's a she kind of represents like the banality of it all, also, right? Because like you know she could just turn that off and just go back to like living her life in you know wherever else when they're not on the vacation time but when she's into it <laughs> it's uh it's it's terrifying to see her like outside of a bus yelling after you know the much bigger alexander Skarsgård and making him seem like such a weakling by comparison um it's a it's an impressive thing and uh yeah don't don't mess with me a goth and don't be an extra on her film set and apparently yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, allegedly allegedly i i have questions about that description that i read um yeah that's what i had um i had some other ones of course many pretty straightforward things jigsaw uh saw x 
go shotgun ghost face specifically in scream mm-hmm. six hit like convenience store shotgun mode i thought that was like yeah that's a that's a solid new take not, ghost face. not the kids <clears throat> the dad right the shotgun yeah, that's, dad, that's yeah, dermot yeah, yeah, yeah at yeah. that point yeah um that's not a spoiler because it's the most obvious reveal in the movie um both dracula's uh the carver in thanksgiving yeah. uh chris and uh the angry black girl and her monster the monster uh megan and megan godzilla godzilla minus one um mom from evil dead there you go yeah i have that too yeah yeah i I, I wrote the rat king because that's like the big mashup version (laughs) (laughs) the the final boss yeah yeah the final (laughs) boss level (laughs) well you know uh i'm not a big fan of the killers in this movie but people like it did y'all like the killers in the sacrifice game i couldn't i did not enjoy them but i'm wondering what you think about the killers i didn't see the sacrifice game oh okay I didn't think it was good at all. No, yeah, oh, that's no. this movie. Yeah. No, yeah, I didn't see this one. I had Man. this down the list. Yeah. It, like when those killers first popped up on screen, I'm like, I don't like them. Like, and I don't really ever feel that way. And then the more I spent time with them, I'm like, yeah, this is miscalibrated. So, all right, good. I know this is a positive one, yeah. so I'm not going to drag it down. But yeah, but... the the holdovers is a bit better between the two. <laughs> they yeah, have less... the same premise. Yeah, yeah, less uh, less cults going in, more character development. Uh, so about speaking of that kind of thing, someone on Twitter the other day said that the holdovers and the black coat's daughter, a film that we all like, I believe, yeah, uh, would be a great double feature. And I'm like, yes, it would. That'd be an amazing double feature. Oh man, I think that's my favorite horror film in the last ten years, ten fifteen years. Um, it's not not my favorite horror villain, but it's a wonderful knife. I thought had a good killer good costume. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah that. very very cool mask. Although it makes no sense because it's it's all in white. Which means you have to change out of it after every kill. Um, <laughs> yeah, but so they're I in question, the snow. It's good, good sneak up tactics. <laughs> but yeah, the dry cleaning will right. be outrageous. Win some, lose some. Yeah. So it that's a cool killer. Like you know, slasher film, you got to have a good mask. And yeah, that was a, a good, that was a good, good one. Mask. Yeah. Justin Long's accent. He went for it. And his teeth, his yeah. veneers. His veneers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's going for it in this movie. <laughs> He knows what kind of movie he's in. Yeah, exactly. And then I was like, hey, influencers in here. Yeah. All right. Well, that's horrible. Let's move on. Let's get to our next special award. Mark, what is your second special award of the evening? Mine's best overhead shot of a vampire flying through the air. And it's from Al Conde. <laughs> uh, which, which, you know, I was so happy I got nominated for cinematography because... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie looks incredible. I did some research and like Ari had to develop a black and white sensor for a smaller, large format camera to make it fit with Netflix uh, specifics. And so they had the Alexa Mini LF. But what they did was like they like the people, the color scientists made it work in like two months. And then they ended up coming up with three uh, cameras, three working cameras for them. And just knowing that what Ed Lachman, Ed Latchman, who's like a three-time Oscar winner, like beautiful i mean the, the cinematography and i mean pablo Lorraine like makes movies look incredible anyway but just that overhead shot is is just gorgeous and just the the black and white photography and how they had to like develop some new photography like new new chips to like work on it and i just love overhead shots in general so that one's gorgeous i was just watching that movie and as soon as i saw that i'm like i love this movie so yeah, best overhead shot of a vampire flying through the air, Al Conde. Good pick. That 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 um 
the idea of that shot has like a lot of Jarmouche vibe to it yeah. for me, as far as just like here he is flying. <laughs> just, let's just show this overhead show. Let's 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 stick with this for a while. Put some new music on it. It was a good Jarmushian year between what Fremont and Fremont I mean, and, I'm being yeah. reductive and like Fallen Leaves and and you know some of that. So it's, well, you're not wrong. I yeah. mean, it's, and it's not like he's not an influential filmmaker. <laughs> true, true, true. But yeah, it's in, I don't know. It's my, it's my favorite overhead. Well, that or Bo the Bo is afraid might be my favorite overhead shots. But uh, uh, overhead shot, I gotta go. Dragon Breath from Wick Four, but <laughs> yeah. you know. Kind of got to do that too, but it, yeah. it feels it feels like an obligation. But yeah, a good one. Yeah. Oh, that dog when it comes snarling out with its teeth—that could be a good horror moment in a non-horror movie. Because that—that true. I felt bad for that henchman. I'm like, you're gonna, you're gonna die horribly right now. Because I comes mean, up... talking John Wick for horror moments when when um when um Pennywise this moment. But yeah, exactly. When he puts the knife in the hand, and so he has to tell him to pull it out, and he does pull it out, and we see it very oh, yeah. graphically. <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty good moment. <laughs> good old Pennywise, uh, the Marquis, right? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Marquis. yeah. Marquise, Mike, what's your uh, horror moment? Or uh, sorry, your uh, special word. I'm calling this um, the funniest critics' description for a movie called Unwelcome. <laughs> Uh, did you guys see this one? Yeah, I don't know if this is I gonna, did. Yeah, it's not really going to land if you don't know the film. But so the movie, it didn't get great reviews, but I quite enjoyed it, particularly for how unhinged it gets in its second half. Yeah, it's it got does. all these, right, these, these <laughs> sort of forest goblin elf creatures who come out of the woods and, and take over the second half of the film. And anyway, the review is from Ellen Jones of The Guardian, uh, who called the film Straw Dogs Meets Fraggle Rock, which... <laughs> which which I, I can't even say without laughing every time. <laughs> I mean, that's right. Down with straw dogs. Down with straw dogs. Those little goblins are incredible. They, they're very they're, unhinged. They're incredible. Um, so is it a good movie? Glad you agree. It, it's it's a lot of fun. Like the okay. artifice of it all. Like the, the sets, like they definitely, the soundstage work, you just got to get used to the look of it. And it's very heightened, I think. It has a good cast as well, but yeah, when it when it when it hits, it's definitely Straw Dogs meets Fraggle Rock. Yeah, it starts off pretty run of the mill, but then it gets increasingly crazy as it goes in a <laughs> way that that the filmmakers clearly know they're playing to a, to genre fans who laugh and cheer at this kind of absurdity, right? So it's not a comedy, obviously, but like I found myself laughing with just a great deal of just incredulity. And pleasure at this, at, at this one. So yeah, call Meanie. Yeah, it saved look. it. Saved it. Like I think the ending. Like I wasn't too into the beginning, but you know I like the director. You done uh, what Grabbers, which Grabbers. I adored, mm -hmm. and 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 then it just kept going, and then and then it hits, and you're like, oh okay, here we go. Well, the next award I have is the Gregory Peck Award for best use of an Italian scooter in a horror movie and winning <laughs> over the internet in the process, which is of course going to Russell Crowe in The Pope's Exorcist. Beep beep. Um, that gave me nothing but joy throughout the year, and I could, you know, even in a movie where I think is decidedly whatever, Russell Crowe's giving it his all, which includes being in on the joke of him riding around in a yes. scooter and enjoying that for the sake of the internet. Uh, so beep beep, he gets an award. I love that. I love that that moment. I just he love goes the, a long way across the country on that thing. Just the the image of it just brings a smile to my face every time I think of it. So I can't can't not represent that in some capacity. 
it's not the sequel to Unhinged that I was expecting, but um, <laughs> Russell Crowe on a scooter. Hey, yeah, beep beep. All right, it's like Italian Unhinged. It's Italian like Unhinged. Ten chasing people on that. I mean, they there's like 99 sequels they can do. So I mean, we can get we can get more progressively. Unhinged. 90, 99 sequels, but yeah. a bitch ain't one. <laughs> exactly. I, I will say that movie kept going places where I was like, whoa. And then like they kept I'm like, did they say is that really like is that what they're saying like that? It kept going places. I didn't see it going. So I, I appreciated Pope's, ex- Pope's exorcist for that. Well, it's based, uh, based on true story. So, <laughs> uh, All right. Next category we have is best sequel and or remake. Mark, what is your best sequel or remake? Oh, Insidious the Red Door. And here's the reason why I love the franchise. I love that it's about good people dealing with just an evil that they didn't, you know, they didn't do something stupid to get like this has been following them around. And, you know, I love Lynn Shea in, in three and four. I think there's some very memorable things. And I love that. The, like when you account for inflation, this is the highest grossing fifth entry of all time of any horror franchise. And I, I the reason I'm sold on this is, you know, I think Patrick Wilson's directing is first time director. I don't think it's that. <laughs> You know, it's, just, it's a first time director, but the f- final lot when he goes like I made the wall at the end, like I, I just teared up. Like I just had huge tears entering my eyes. And like I was I cried like I, I can't even think the time I've last time I've done that. But when he's like, I made the wall and then you just, you know, you see him carrying his son and it, it's man, that movie, that thing just like that hit me hard. And I think there maybe as movies or films are probably some better one quality ones out there. But none of them made me just tear up at the end with that final line, just the earnestness of it. And yeah, I'm going Insidious the Red Door. Yeah, and strong. I, I can agree with that. I think it it finds its emotional place, which is what the initial entry, like what they all kind of do. But I mean, they, it does have this way of centering itself around like a cause as far as the family and whatnot, which I can appreciate. And then he gets on the soundtrack and sings it out with Ghost. So I mean, you can't yeah. complain about that either. So the whole Rose Byrne thing and you know, but they didn't have her in there. It was originally just Ty Simkin or what the kid in college. It was just him kind of going off on his own, but then they switched it back to the family, you know, which I think is good because it started with family ended with that. So that's my pick. All right. Mike, favorite sequel or remake? Uh, my, my original pick was angry black girl and her monster again, to shout out Bomani, the director. of <laughs> I feel like I don't have much to add beyond what Aaron had to say about it. You know, I, I do think it's a, to take the story of modern Prometheus and then transplant it so thoroughly through the lenses of contemporary race and class and, and gender is not just a fun idea, but it's a great example of how genre tropes can be retooled and reinvented. Um, but since it's already been covered pretty thoroughly, uh, the one I want to go with is Gaspar Noah's straight cut of Irreversible. Oh, okay. Re- yeah. So we're just cheating. So now, it's, kind of, it's a little bit of a cheat, but... <laughs> Did you guys happen to see it? No, because I want seeing irreversible the regular cut once was fine for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I hear you, but I found it just a really fascinating reimagining of the film, which is easily one of the most controversial films of of our generation, right? So, so if you know your listeners don't know, the original film is told in reverse chronological order, like Memento, for Memento, instance. Yeah. And this version, um, it just inverts that into a straight chronological order. But what that ends up doing is it reframes many of the moral dimensions that the story is concerned with and what the spectator knows at certain points and things. And I found the result quite 
an interesting experiment. And I, I really regret not being able to get into more conversations about it this year because it's simply a hard film to get people to go out and watch because <laughs> it's so challenging. But I thought, you know, so I'm going to go with Angry Black Girl for my earnest answer, but as a sort of, hey, interesting, honorable that maybe people should uh, consider. Irreversible straight cut. Now I want to see Climax, the backwards cut. I want to see Climax, the upside down version. So it ends right side up. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <Wait>. Stupid. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Someone, someone spiked your sangria tonight. Eh? The la- the, the, I can't remember a last time a movie like was so irritating to me because like my head's just like, this is not oriented correctly. Turn the camera around, please. That was my whole thought for like the last 20 minutes of that movie. Like, I can't handle this. Please flip yourself back. And I know like it's deliberately doing that, but still. But yeah, the uh, straight cut of Irreversible. I, I feel like I still need like five more years before I can watch Irreversible again. But I'll get yeah, to it. Get some popcorn. Get some. <laughs> it's a good laugh. Milk duds. Yeah. You need to write hilarious as the the. Well, that is my your, catchphrase. Your blurb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've upgraded though. Now I'm gen- genuinely terrifying. That's my new catchphrase. Um. <laughs> Uh, there are some obvious ones. Once again, I feel like I could pick for this category, but I want to go with the one that caught me the most off guard. Mark already might know where I'm going with this, but it's River Wild. Um, I had no really? need for a remake of the River Wild, a movie I find average at best. But God damn it, Universal was like, we got to take our River Wild IP and use it again. And you know what? It delivers. Like I've talked about this before in the podcast. It does. But I was I know is weird to say. Damn. But it, it's better than I feel like it has any right. And it's not like again, it's not like the River Wild is some classic. It's just like interesting to see Meryl Streep in a conventional action movie. But the fact that they made a River Wild movie that is not only modern, but like has it has like you know, it, it feels informed by the times as far as what the what the heroes and villains are dealing with in that film it it's a clever way to update it i'm not going to say it's great art i it's still like a, a b average movie at best but i found myself thoroughly entertained by it i thought it knocked out what it needed to as far as setting up the various pieces and it's pretty well acted um throughout so like no i, I you know i put this on as a lark because I knew it was coming out on direct video and it was on Netflix. I'm like, all right, let's check this out. And it delivers what it needs to. And it's, and like the, the raft action stuff, like the rapids and things is solid. Like it looks good. Like for a movie that I assume was, since it's universal straight to video, I assume it was like filmed in South Africa somewhere. I was like, this looks pretty good. Like, yeah, that's the job. Oh, copy that. I was hoping yeah. for a little bit more river action, but I think Perhaps. that's probably that there's this it's expensive. So it's expensive you, to do. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have more wood chases, like wooded chases. But no, and, yeah. Uh, and uh Taryn Killam in a dramatic role. I was like, all right, let's see where this is going. But yeah, no, they're, they're, I, I appreciated this movie a lot more than I expected. So obvious ones, there's Evil Dead, there's Godzilla, of course, there's uh Malum, which we've mentioned a few times now. None um, too improved upon its first film. It, it, it is better good, than the first none. Which I guess it's not, not hard. Not inaccurate. No. <laughs> it's not hard, but I there's I like Farmiga. I like her in that role. And I it had enough to offer for me. Because the first one was a drag. This one wasn't as much of a drag. It was fun. Aaron, you should cover Aaron, you should cover none too on a podcast episode. <laughs> 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 
get someone you know insightful and handsome to to come on to talk about it <laughs> oh yeah i didn't get that the first time so you're right i should do that um wrath <laughs> of becky is for better than the first one i like that yeah uh, uh saw x is one of the best of the franchise so <laughs> saw x i mean aaron and i are both fans mark i yeah better so, than it has any right to be i and it gave me a chance to update my rotten tomatoes article from 2017 there's two saw movies that feature things being cut off by saws like that you witness and it's one in ten and those are the two highest rated of the franchise there you go so <laughs> something being completely severed by a, a saw and this one has an actual seesaw yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the more reason to see Saw X. And that that yeah, never mind. But I like that first one. The the kid survives it in the, the first kill that he gives him. Like it's an interesting film. It's a good good movie. Surprised it, me. Yeah, it's a, I think it surprised all of us by how good it was, mm-hmm. but um it still uh, has, yeah. it still plays fast and loose with the the rules as far as like well, well, jigsaw's the... rules or jigsaw's philosophy is bullshit yeah, <laughs> he's, a crazy, bullshit. he's a crazy person yeah, yeah. so like i don't i can't like mark him for it but it's also you're still sitting there like but the semantics i need to bring up in this like he did the thing like <laughs> yeah uh the best compliment i can we, we covered this extensively on the pod aaron but mm-hmm. um i left saw x genuinely excited about all the kind of new and innovative story directions that this movie could potentially go into with uh saw 11 saw xi which they're making uh, so which they're making so you know uh set the date did you have any other uh sequel remakes you want to shout out uh... i i enjoyed scream six the problem is that like you someone alluded to it's way too predictable mm-hmm. but you know uh some some solid scenes it's generally been a pretty reliable franchise more or less um and then also last voyage of the demeter is also uh we've mentioned as well i'm glad you like that movie that feels like a movie you I did, yeah. dislike. i'm glad you <laughs> like it because i i do i do like supporting that movie <laughs> it's good yeah same any others Mm-mm. maybe i see final cut the french re the, uh. the french remake of one cut of the dead directed by academy award winner michael hazana vicious the joy of that movie is watching it for the first time and getting it like i don't know if i want to do a remake does that make should i just watch that that's the exact same reason I didn't bother with it. I was thought, yeah. I, I mean, is this going to do anything new? And it just, from all yeah. I could tell, it just the it answer is no. It is very much it's it's <laughs> the equivalent of like a U.S. movie doing the same beats again. And so it's like, why do we do this to begin with? Just because there's no subtitles this time, I guess. But this one is French, so it's like, well, that has that going for it. It's not badly made by any means. It's it's well done. It's just yes, there is a there's a redundancy to it if you've already seen One Cut of the Dead even though the film is like directly referencing the fact that it is a remake, like there's something there, but it's not nearly enough to be like, Oh, now I have to go see this. It's just more of like, if you've watched one cut of the dead enough and you feel like getting a slightly different angle on it, like this exists. So yeah, like it's, it's by no means a bad movie. It's just like, why? No, it, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, you use the, the correct word, right? It's, it's kind of redundant. It's redundant. Yeah. So. And brush uh, up on my French, I guess. But it'd be like making, I don't know, like a remake of Mean Girls and having nothing to offer except songs that are not that memorable in music form. Um, all right. Um too horror. soon. <laughs> too, too soon. <laughs> Next category, funniest horror film or moment, twenty twenty-three. Mark, what do you have here? Oh, oh so I'm gonna save this. I think someone's gonna pick this. So there's a there's a scene in in thanksgiving 
when I guess the current boyfriend walks up to the ex-boyfriend and pushes his jacket off of wait. So the guy walks up to his girlfriend who's wearing the jacket of her ex-boyfriend, but then the boyfriend comes up and does this jacket push off of her. And it just I just laughed for a long. It just made me really it was just really funny. I don't know. The entire theater laughed. Like it was just a really random moment in Thanksgiving, a tiny little non-kill moment involving a jacket being pushed off someone's shoulders that just made me really happy. You think so, someone yeah. else is gonna pick that? Well, no, I had another one that I think people are going to pick. So I just oh, left okay. it. But yeah, <laughs> it I, it's like very it's random. Like... It's very random. And uh, I don't know, but I don't know why, but just the little vibe of it made me happy. It was just a time, but like the entire theater, though. Like I went to like a press screening and they also gave out tickets for like early screening. So it was a pretty packed theater and everyone just laughed and like had a good time with that scene. So, yeah, I picked that. That's my it's a jacket push, the random jacket push in Thanksgiving. Right. right? Well, since Mark stole my Thanksgiving one, I'm going to... Really? With, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I actually struggled with this one. I realized there were so many moments that gave me joy uh, this uh -huh. past year. But I'm going to go with the we have a rope moment from Saw X. <laughs> it's, um, which involves someone slicing open the body, uh, the, the uh, a corpse's midsection to pull out the intestines to use as a, as a bit of rope. Um, it's it's the callousness and the straight face nature of the scene mm -hmm. and of the character performing the action is so comically over the top gruesome that I think it clearly spills over into unintentional. I'm sorry. No, completely intentional, completely, yeah. uh, completely intentional, like macabre humor, which I mean, Eric can let me know what he thinks, but I, the saw films always have a hint of camp because of how excessive and silly some of its sequences are, but the tone is, generally pretty consistently grim right and so this to my recollection is one of the first times a saw sequence has been sort of intentionally funny in a way that that felt different and felt kind of it, it it's part of what contributes to why saw x feels so fresh and alive and new even though it's it's a, a deep far along sequel and so i just i was chuckling really hard at it i really enjoyed it and that's it's my favorite scene from one of the best horror films or one of the best horror experiences I had this year. I think you're right though. Cause I've had to watch all the whole franchise and pull all the kills. And so I don't think I ever laughed at any of them or just felt like this is absurd. I mean, pig guts is pretty absurd, but yes, it's not, oh, really yeah, when the pig it's, guts. Not, it's not played for last, but it's yeah. also, but I'm the guy, my man, my thought is just like, where to get all these pigs? <laughs> this, is, this is very elaborate for a cancer patient to handle. Uh, the needle pit's definitely not funny. It's it's too funny. That's the problem. With <laughs> well, I, I mean, having seen every every saw film in a theater, um, very dutifully, I might I might add, you know, you they they do produce big reactions out of audiences, right? And it, it's always that combination of, uh, but followed by kind of nervous laughter. So I've always kind of accompanied or been in theaters that accompany saw screenings with laughter, but none that are clearly sort of structured in a way to elicit yeah. um, chuckles in, in, in the way that the we have a rope moment does. Because well, I think like the first one probably gets the closest to that just because it's a, it's a, you know, a two man story for the most part, as far as the bathroom stuff goes. And this is very similar yeah, in yeah, that it's, regard because uh, it's you're playing off of the characters and not like, here's the, here's the next victim or what. 
like it, it's there's something about the isolation and like you follow these people along so they have to like deal with their scenarios so like adam yeah and, Lee and adam does have yeah adam does have a few like zingers yeah. and 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 uh one-liners right yeah, he, he's um, just terrible in that movie as an actor and he improves from there yeah so that's the problem Agreed. <laughs> so, <laughs> um my choice here because i certainly had options and there's is what I I feel bad not choosing, but I like this too much. It's the very end of VHS eighty four. Uh, there is a joke um, taking place as far as what we something we've we've seen through. There's a fra- there's like a framing device throughout the film as there usually is with these movies, and it involves an aerobics video. Um, and the end of eighty four has like basically like a, a punchline to the fact that we've constantly seen like fuzzy clips of this aerobics video that I found to be very funny. It's a good dark joke for the way everything yeah. ends. Um, that got me because I did not see that coming. That's the way we're gonna wrap up this whole you know, latest anthology series. Um, so that, that did you that's say uh, VHS eighty four or is VHS eighty five? Eighty five. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I was worried because I called it eighty five earlier. Is it 84 or 85? Wait, 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 is it, yeah. Is, is it 84? It's 84, right? I, I, I thought it was 85. It is 85. Jesus oh. Christ. Right. Yeah, okay. Jesus. Was there 94? It's not. Yeah, that's what it is. 94, it's 94 yeah, 85. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Throwing us off. Another line I loved. Sorry. Oh, no. Go for it, Aaron. I, I'm, I'm done. No, yeah, uh, I like in Totally a Killer when she's like, they use dance against us. Like the, the delivery of that line made me very happy and totally killer. And hmm. yeah, and also it, at, the, its, at its best, it's got some good jokes in that movie. Again. And that but guy Lungren from the conference was really funny. I, I can't think of his first name, but um, from the conference, his name is Adam Lungren. He's just the perfect jerk in that movie. Hmm. I liked him a lot in the conference. I um, really liked um, in Infinity Pool, Mia Goth just on the hood of the car, just uh-huh. berating. Uh, the character just hamming it up, right? Mia Goth can can ham it up really. It's campy. I thought that was very funny. And the I farts think, and dream scenario. I think uh, Bo is afraid has some <laughs> of the funniest tension that you could ask for in its first act, and um, the way it culminates with a uh, birthday boy stab man uh, <laughs> just uh, makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> so that was that was the other one that I I really wanted to. Uh... Uh, mentioned for sure. And unwelcome becomes quite funny, what we've already talked about. Uh, and the blackening is good too. Like the blackening, I, like, I just had as in general. Yeah. Um, I like Jimmy Fallon without the roots. <laughs> <laughs> Chili powder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, we were talking about funniest moment, but I, if we had to do funniest or like most consistently funny uh-huh. overall film, I would say the blackening. Yeah. It's yeah. Horror comedy, horror comedy of the year. The ensemble is incredible. It is. Hilarious. performances are bursting with personality and the and I, th- I think though it arguably comes at a cost to the horror scenes because the horror yeah. scenes appear to be constructed to be genuinely scary but they don't really come across that way it works well, better as a comedy than as a slasher film right? it's why it's one of my biggest surprises of the year because i'm not a fan of tim's story i don't think he's mm-hmm. a great director and so the fact that there is a really strong script that he was working with very much amused me it made right. me happy because it's it's not only funny but also very specific at times in a way that I could appreciate just by the references it's making or whatnot. So it's like, this is sharp and I appreciate this, but yeah, as a horror movie, it doesn't do much for me just because it's right. whatever, but yeah, it, it is a very funny film and I was very happy that I was laughing just constantly throughout it. So. And what really impressed me is this is random, but there's that, uh, there's that Thor love and thunder where I feel like the bits just slowed the movie down into nothingness. 
just there's a bit at the ev- end of like most everything and it just it just felt really unstructured and slowed everything down but in the blackening there's so many bits and comments and mm-hmm. but it doesn't slow anything down like it's not just like improv like it 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 keeps rolling and it's just so much fun but like the bits never feel like they're at the cost of pace if that makes yeah. sense no oh, yeah i hear you I think it's because it's so focused in what it's aiming at, coming from specific characters. That we get. it's it's just good. It's just what it's good writing again. I think yeah. that's the key. Um. Okay. Future cult film. Our our newest award for this year. Future cult film. Um. Mark, what do you have for what you think will be a future cult film or best? How do we? How do you regard this? When you well, say I... future, like the the one that stands the highest is what you potentially think will become a cult film. I just think where the devil roams by the Adams is going to be the one hmm. because you know it's on Tubi it didn't get a big release this is their I saw third their previous movie. so I didn't see the other where the devil rooms yeah like they yeah I, I like the previous stuff and it's all under the radar but I, I feel like their stuff will get an audience I feel like it'll have a very dedicated smaller audience because where the devil rooms is, is a pretty gnarly film but it mm-hmm. You know, just with the music and with the family dynamic and just the outsider vibe and a lot of the casting. I think it's a movie that people will absolutely latch on to. I don't think it'll ever cross over to the like mainstream, like that become that big of a cult film. But I think I really think where the devil roams is gonna get a good following, a loyal following. So I that's what I picked where the devil roams. I don't know how I missed yeah. it because I really liked Hellbender. Yeah. I don't know how I missed the where the devil roams. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting um, pick. Although I feel like the cult following is more likely to be with the family. And I like Hellbender a little bit better than Where the Devil Roams. But because it, it's not just the individual films, right? It's the fact that you have this family mm-hmm. who are m- making movies together and at this low budget and, and they're horror kind of, you know, horror movies that don't skimp on the gore and the violence. Um, there's something just really charming about that and you want to throw your support behind it. So I think that's, I can see the family developing a sizable following um, among horror fans and the horror community generally, for it's sure. Still, it's good to shout it out, though. I, I do think Hellbender's better, but this one, there's a lot of interesting visuals and the like. The family, I just think the casting and the outsiders, and you know, you look at like Nightmare Before Christmas and and movies like that 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 get a big following. I don't. I just feel like this might be one of them. But yeah, I think you're right. The fat of the family, like you kind of embrace this this low budget dynamic of of family making these low budget horror films but um, i'd be curious to hear if there's anybody out there who saw where the devil roams first and then saw hellbender second Mm -hmm. and whether they would like it more it just maybe it's one of these cases in which you're going to just be more partial to the one you saw first because they are kind of similar in Mm -hmm. vibe you know because it just it's it's all done by the same family even though the stories are different maybe Good point. I did watch it because I liked Hellbender. Yeah, same. I don't, yeah. Know, I don't know how I missed it. That's weird to me. But... I saw it on Mike's list, so I just was like, all right, it's on Tubi. I'll check it out. I mean, I saw it. It did play. I can't quite remember how many months ago it was, but it had a short theatrical run. Oh. Because uh, when I reviewed Hellbender, too, like the Adam shouted me out. <laughs> so they're like thanks for the review and i'm like no problem thanks for a good movie <laughs> I, I wish i had more awareness of like a pr or something i probably do i just probably didn't like look at it close enough uh mike what's your pick here so my f- candidate for future cult film i'm gonna go with a movie called and this could have been in my funniest film category as well but it's called summoning sylvia okay didn't see it no um, 
it's it's quite similar in premise to the blackening but except with all gay men okay um blackening is the stronger of the of the two its social commentary is a bit sharper i think and the performances are better but sylvia is quite funny and quite raunchy and i can see this being a something that develops a you know like a small audience a cult audience particularly in the queer community over time yeah if you haven't seen it it's 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 short it's it's easy um check it out yeah i tried to pack it in today just it got time got away from me I was like one of the last things on the list I wanted to see, but yeah, it's definitely on the list. I'm excited to watch it. I watched a trailer. It looks fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, I have kids versus aliens guys. <laughs> I think that has a, yeah. I, I really like Jason Eisner's eyes, not Eisner eyes. Uh, no, yeah. Jason Eisner. Yeah. Eisner, um, his, um, VHS segment in two, which is like an alien invasion thing. And this has that same vibe as far as like really fast paced really like feels like on the ground filmmaking and uh no i i found it rather effective uh it's funny it's but it's quick the aliens are like like they're creepy but like there's still like there's a fun to it that i appreciate while it still like knows how to get gory and get gross uh, when it wants to as well and i think it just has the right kind of like low on the scale of attention but like it was like a hit it film it feels like a perfect like, like midnight movie it even though it's pretty gory like i think it appeals to a, a wide range of people so it feels like it's like a small movie that doesn't have a lot of attention but people get feel like younger people can feel like they're getting away with something by watching a movie like this like it just has a, a certain kind of appeal that i think i i, I really appreciated uh from what i got out of it yeah, between kids versus aliens and then um what summoning silvado they're both like 70 minutes long yeah they, they're so they're yeah. gonna <laughs> the people be like all right let's check this out yeah that's i uh i have skin and rink on that list just because it feels like a film that would have that kind of thing going for it like in the you know years to come um candy Candyland? Candyland? yeah i think Candyland could get a good audience absolutely love Candyland. Yeah, like, I think people be like, "Man, have you not seen this? Like, this is, I, I think that's a two B too. So I think it could very easily pick up an audience." Yeah, uh, as Aaron knows, I'm a big fan of like '70s exploitation cinema, and so any film that successfully captures that look and feel, and frankly, the grime of those films, score a lot of points with me. And Candyland was one of my favorites this past year. You know, especially especially the movies that capture that '70s grime with with a bit of sincerity, mm. not the kind of wink wink thing that some people do. Uh, it's it's a very trashy film, so it's a little mm. hard. It's a hard film to recommend casually to people because they'll think something's wrong with you. But um, and you don't always have the luxury to explain what you mean by trash as like a specific artistic sensibility. Um, but Aaron, you're you're a fine gentleman. You should definitely give it a look if you haven't already. Yeah. Okay. Do, you do you think any's men could collect an audience? I mean, it looks beautiful. Mm. I um, I feel like less of a cult thing and more of just like admiration for people that like movies. If mm. you know it, if that makes any sense, like it's a it's a I like that movie uh, quite a bit. But it, I can't see like an audience like it's too like stayed and deliberate in its pacing to be like yeah let's get together and watch Annie's Ben <laughs> like for the yeah that's that's an issue and the thing about Skinamarink also is that. Yeah, that could develop a cult following, but I don't think it has much rewatch uh, value outside. I'd of... argue it did, though, because of the whole TikTok thing where like you leaked and everything. No, 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 no. no outside of a theater experience, I can't really imagine people 
kind of, I'm going to pop in skin a rank. I think that's a movie that you kind of need to surrender yourself to. And so I can see it being a midnight movie circuit favorite in the years to come. But outside of that, I'm not, I'm not quite that, sure. How, that's uh, what I like. I, I hear you, but like part of the reason why it got like the buzz it had is because it leaked onto TikTok and people were watching it on their phones outside of a theater experience and being like really engaged by it. So it's like, it has something going for it because it it's well, it's bigger than I think it would have been without that. Well, sure, but I mean, we're talking about a cult following for the film itself, not a thirty second excerpt. I I don't know how people were watching it or what have you. Like, I, but it certainly had the attention of people in a way that I would not have necessarily expected, having watched the film in full. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I can tell you the film that I think is the exact opposite of this. Um, it's sick. Uh, yeah, uh, which I think is good, but I feel like it's immediately dated by what it's doing, mm -hmm. <laughs> and like it has no chance of developing a cult following. Right. It's like who's going to gather around to like, remember COVID times? <laughs> I feel like it's it's doing the reverse of forming an audience. I really like the idea of that, but I hate revisiting that era. Like I, I exactly, I, I, like, <laughs> I, I obeyed all the rules. I'm not saying like oh no, like you know, like we locked it, we we did everything we we needed to do, but like being reminded of that um, is not fun. <laughs> so while watching sick. Because I heard about it last year. Y'all talked about it last year. So I watched it when I first had a chance. And I, I really liked the idea of it. But I was like, oh, man. This is a, this is a lot. Did yeah. any of you guys see Divinity? Divinity. With uh, Stephen Dorff, among others. Scott Bakula. Mm -mm. It's produced by Soderbergh. Um, it's a very... It's a very odd... It has like a... Like a Think of films like Beyond the Black Rainbow and like weird stuff like that. Like it, it's it's this like it's going for an experimental vibe. It's very strange. It feels like a film that's deliberately designed to be a film that could turn a cult following, uh, which is why it feels like too deliberate in what it's uh, how weird it's trying to be. But at the same time, it is it is weird. <laughs> it is the kind of movie where it's like you would like have a copy of this just to show to friends. I just remembered. Yeah, I know what movie you're talking about. I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. uh, it it like okay. them presenting Soderbergh so prominently in the the emails I got for is like I guess I'll check this out mm -hmm. and I watched it's like like I think it's fine but like it has enough in it where I'm like this seems like a movie that wants to like establish a following for what it's doing but uh, anyway Dorf was in another one this past year called The Price We Pay yeah it's with uh, Emil Hirsch is his brother and they're on the lamb or something and they yeah come across a farm farmhouse full of mutant freaks I, I can't can't quite remember but not a kind of like a siege thriller um it, it's from the director of something too right what is it it's a midnight meat train it's from the hey. midnight meat train it, it's yeah it's it's and, God, and Godzilla final awards by the way <laughs> um um I yeah I I don't tend to go out of my way to see Hirsch movies <laughs> currently so it's like if if he's in the lead I'm like yeah I can wait on that. Um, hmm. I've yeah, heard, I heard that. about that one. Um, all right, getting to the end here. Um, best performance by an actor in a horror film. Best actor, Mark. What do you got? Dave Bautista, Knock at the Cabin. Damn, that's what I had to. <laughs> he is. So good. I, I rewatched it for this this just because I remember watching it and be like he's incredible. So I'm like I want to revisit it to to make sure it lives up to my um 
you know, what I remembered. And I think it's even better. And just reading about it, you know, how M. Night shot on just one camera and, and Batista was just worried about burning film because he's like, no one wants to be the guy that burns up film. And, you know, this, I mean, the cinematography in that movie is beautiful anyway, but just his line delivery and his earnestness. And then, man, he's so good in it. <laughs> like, that's, that's like an award performance, like an awards worthy performance. Uh, and sorry to steal it from you. But yeah, it's it's yeah, Dave Bautista knock at the cabin. That was like the first thing that immediately came to mind for me because I, I love him so much in that movie. So yeah, that's my pick. Good pick. Well, yeah, that movie really turns up the I mean, Dave Bautista has a sort of friendly giant, uh, gentle giant quality to him. And then to take that quality and to have it applied to something so horrific is just excellent, right? It's just, you know. I think that's a role that a lot of people could have played, but it's unconventional casting and knocked it out of the park. So, yeah, pick. yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I love this movie. Just it, yeah, it's one of like as far as looking at something this year, like as far as cinematography, it's probably one of my favorite movies. Just how they really made that they stretched everything in that cabin out pretty good, and I just think it looks beautiful. But yeah, makes me happy. That's- and I like I've called Knock at the Cabin my favorite Shyamalan film since Signs, but um I regardless of the quality of his films, he is a very good filmmaker as far as the technical aspects of his movies. I think he, he really has a great handle on that. And yeah, Knock at the Cabin is no different. It's a and, and, I, and not for nothing, Shyamalan knows how to work with stars. Yes, he does. He's yeah. an actor's director. That like I hate Lady in the Cab, uh, Lady in the Water, but I think Paul Giamatti has like an end monologue that's one of my favorite things in, that he's done. It's so it's very good. The trust that actors have in him is pretty unbelievable. Like they really put their faith in him. Like Giamatti acting like a baby in that movie, and just yeah, they'll do anything for that guy. So I I, I dig it. I love watching it. Mike, what's your best actor? <clears throat> Um, so this film got dropped a few minutes ago, but The Passenger and the main guy from it, Johnny Berktold. Yeah. I'm not familiar with his work outside of this film, but I, I was giving this category some thought and this really felt like the performance that caught me the most by surprise. You know, in, in part because I didn't know who this actor was, but particularly toward the end when the film gets quite emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actor who... You know, he he's being kidnapped by this killer and he's sort of the the he's in this key of like terrified the whole time. But in the end, he has a few scenes where he really has to kind of lay on some really thick emotional trauma. And uh, the script overall, uh, the film has some clunky beats, but I think it's it's far outweighed by some really powerful scenes with really good performances by both Johnny Berktold, who's the lead, but then also his co-star, Kyle Gallner, who plays the, the villain. Um Really against type that Kyle Garner. <laughs> yeah, uh, good movie and really surprisingly affecting performance. There's that good... there's that scene in the store, like the Build a Bear, where yeah. they're yeah. like sitting together, and she asks him about why he's there, and like I feel like that could have been played in many different ways, but the way he played that was just it really I don't know I was like this gets good. Um, I don't know. I guess I just could have seen that scene going wrong, but that, that was such an intimate little conversation they had. Yeah. I don't mean to be reductive calling it little, but yeah, the conversation they had was just, he played it. I don't know. It wasn't creepy. It was like, yeah, he's, he's the passenger, but it's, I admired that scene a lot. 
it's got a number of really great moments. It has one of my favorite line reads of the whole year of any film, which is they encounter the killer's mom and she's sort of poked out on a bed. Yeah, and or well, yeah, he's covered in blood. He says, oh, I just spilled ketchup on myself. And she just takes a long drag and just goes, mm -hmm. doesn't look like ketchup. <laughs> it's, oh, it's brilliant. Just new. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that a lot. That caught me off guard, too. I was like, oh. Yeah, me too. I got rewound and watched it again. I was like, this is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this movie's really kind of humming along. Since no one else is going to give him an award, um, in the various uh, major guilds and what have you. I'm going to just say Joaquin Phoenix and Bo is afraid. Um, <laughs> I, I think he he's great doing a Jewish existential crisis here. It's wonderful. I, I think he, he's much funnier than a, than a joke, than his Joker role. Um, so we'll, we'll, it'll be up to Bo to see if he can sing and dance too, if they make a Bo is afraid musical sequel to rival Joker two as well. But regardless, I think Bo is afraid is a, just a really it's it's hard to say out there performance, but it's such a Joaquin Phoenix is just not letting anything get in his path as far as what he's doing in this movie. He is fully on board with Ari Aster's crazy vision, and um, I I think it's just I think it's wonderful. Uh, I I do not care about the Golden Globes. I'm like good on them, I guess, for nominating him for best actor in a comedy. It's just because it's. It is this unhinged kind of thing in a movie that I do think of as like a just a uh, as a horror film as far as what it's actually after and what it's doing and why this man is literally afraid of the world. Um, he's very good at it. So I'll, I'll, I'll the, amount of, the amount of energy he needed to just do that for months. Just uh -huh. it's so on. It doesn't look like a simple shoot yeah. at all. So on that role and just to live in that. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. But I really admire the energy of it. Just keeping that up on the long days it was a lot. And that Parker Posey scene. There's a, there's a commitment. There's a commitment to the performance yeah. on the screen that you can kind of feel it coming off the screen. I had Batista as well, obviously. Um, Tobin Bell and Saw X. I mean, he's yeah. he's in the whole movie for a change, and it's it's really nice to watch him <laughs> being the lead here. What about um, um, uh, Barry Keoghan from Saltburn? I didn't have it as like horror, so I didn't really could, but like I do, I mean, I do think he's very good in the but movie. As a, as a creepy performance. That's fair. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Ryanosuke Kamiki in Godzilla Minus One. I think that's a strong lead performance in that film. I mean, Skarsgård puts himself through it in he Infinity Pool. <laughs> Consider that. Uh, I think Kenneth Branagh's at his best in the yeah. third. Uh, um, um, Perot film in, uh -huh, in Haunting in Venice. I think the movie looks beautiful. It does. Um, and the the first one of those that he didn't shoot on film. <laughs> but uh, it's a. I I think he does like he's been doing that role, playing up the mustache and everything. But I think he's rather effective in the third one. Owen Campbell's good in Candyland. I like him. The others. The kid in Suitable Flesh does a good job. Mm hmm. Mike, -hmm. the others. Hmm. No, I think I had a few others, but I think they've been touched on. Yeah. All right. Best actress then. Mark, who's your pick? Oh, all right. Uh, it's, um, I'm, I hope I'm not taking somebody's, but it, I, since Judy Reyes got nominated for an independent spirit award, I'm going to take Marlon Ireland for birth rebirth because <clears throat> I'm a huge dark and the wicked fan. And also it was awesome seeing her in city primeval. 
And I just think she crushes it in birth, rebirth. And just hearing her talking about how she took a big swing as an actor and she just really trusted the director. And like it was interesting. She's like, she's like, I feel like I'm going to be cut out of every movie that I'm in. And so she's like, I'm glad that I got kept in this one. But yeah, just talking about how she found the empathy for Rose. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I really like Marlon Ireland a lot as an actor. So I had to pick her for birth, rebirth. Between the two of them, her and Judy Reyes, I, I had her on my list. I think it is a good, really good performance in that film. Because it's calibrated, right? It could go the, it could go horribly, not horribly wrong, but it could go wrong f- too far into the bit. But it still, it still works really well. She doesn't overplay it, and it works beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a moment when you realize what she's doing. Yeah, and it's it's. It's awful. And, and <laughs> you have to have an actor with the right gravitas to kind of, because she's so matter of fact about it. It's like, what? I'm yeah. a science. And you have to have someone with that kind of a stone faced look to be able to pull that off the, the dispassionate nature of the work, you know? Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Like she, you, you're, you're 100% right. You needed somebody to just be so matter of fact about it that you're like, oh, well, it's science. Cool. Poor pig. Mike, what's your pick? Actually, so Marin Ireland was my pick as well, actually. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I mean, she's not an actor who was on my radar much before this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing more stuff moving forward. And uh, the reason I picked her is uh, not to repeat anything, but not just because I like Birth Rebirth a lot, but she had um, a pretty good year in various parts. She has a great scene in Eileen, mm-hmm. just basically a monologue. Um, and she's also got a small but effective part in Boogeyman. Um, yeah. She's the, yeah. She's basically, yeah, she's the Lin Shea character, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, she had a good year and I hope uh, hope to see her in more stuff. So for my actual, when I, so again, this is like a little horror adjacent, but the performance that I really loved was a Tenoya Paris in They Clone Tyrone. Good movie. Oh, oh yeah. Um, as she's a yo-yo. <laughs> <laughs> that is just really one of my favorite performances of, of the year in, in a film that's otherwise pretty solid. Um, you know, I, I realize it's a bit genre ambiguous, but uh, every line read was either just punchy or funny or both. And I would put Tyrone maybe alongside Blackening as the best ensemble uh, of of the year. And so, and and of just endless line reads, particularly good ones also from Jamie Foxx. I thought that was the performance that uh, if, I would have put that as breakout performance of the year if she wasn't sort of a known face. Right. From yeah. yeah. And that elevator scene just makes me very happy. <laughs> just the, the singing and oh, they're so good together. It was very so hard to add that on my, on my favorite moments list of the year, the elevator scene in Playdoco and Tarot. But um, what I like too is that there's so many different energies going into those into that ensemble. Because mm. like Boyega's fairly straightforward in that movie. Like he's good, but he's like, like Fox is just, he's rolled up the line. He's like, I'm playing a pimp. I can do this all in my sleep. Like just like knocking out one liners and then pay one. Dana Paris has to like match that energy, which I think going against Jamie Foxx, not an easy thing to do all the time. And like also feel like as equivalent in how effective you are. But yeah, no, she's really good in that movie as well. Yeah. I wouldn't say she steals the movie because Jamie Foxx is also terrific, but when you have those two electrical charges just bouncing off against each other, it just, you know, I, I would have loved to have just talked to the director and say, how did you direct them together? How did you manage this this chemistry? Because it's it's so beautifully calibrated. 
Um, my pick is Christine Kuja Thorpe in Sick of Myself. Yep. yep. Um, I think that's a very much like what I, I think it's you have to commit to something like that where you have to <laughs> you have to willingly say I don't care about vanity anymore. I need to play this role, which requires me to like shed all of that to make myself uh, into you know basically a monster for the sake of clicks and um, the the commitment involved to do something like that and like and make it like entertaining and like cringy but still funny that takes a lot i think that takes a lot of talent and so yeah that, that's my pick for, for best actress do you have a nut allergy <laughs> fortunately i don't just that scene that scene oh, just, oh wait i'm feeling something <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, i had Alyssa sutherland from Elite evil dead on my list as well mm. um is that the mom yeah it's the mom uh, Sophie Wilde again for Talk to Me. Uh, Julia Garner in Royal Hotel. And um, uh, Jessica Sula in Malum. I would add Laia De, uh, De Leon Hayes from Angry Black Girl. Yeah, that's a good pick. And it's a very affecting, um, ambitious performance. Mm-hmm. Mia Goth in Infinity Pool, although you know I've already said yeah, I've referenced her a few times. That really, really can't be performance, so that, that, that always works. Who's... Uh, Kate... Who's the co-lead? Caitlin Deaver and uh, No One Will Save You also, uh, given that there's a lot of physical work involved in that and no dialogue. Yeah, there's another one uh, called Nowhere, which is another sort of one woman carrying the entire film. Um, That's the one where she's trapped in a a cargo container. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't watch that, but I I saw it. It's it's all right, but in terms of sort of a single location, one woman just getting put through it, yeah, committed performance. I liked Ellie Kendrick in Attachment too. Yeah, yeah, Attachment. Yeah, Attachment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which one is she in Attachment? Uh, she's no, she's um, I forget her name. Uh, she's Leah. She's the one with the um. Is she the blonde or the the the, the dark haired? She's the one with the uh. What's the word? What what is she? She's um. Well, it's late. What's the word? I don't want to spoil it. Jewish? No. <laughs> she's um not infest. There's a she, demon inside of her. Yes. Yeah. What is the word? Possessed. Yeah, possessed. possessed. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Jeez Louise, I was thinking I. But yeah, she's the possessed one. But she's immediately immediately when she comes on screen, you like her. Like it's like immediately you're like, I, I like this person. And then things start going bad. You just it it's just hurts. Possessed. I also want to give kind of a, a small shout out to Alicia Silverstone for being in this interesting period of her career where she's taking supporting roles in weird horror films and pops up yeah yeah so she's in this one called Perpetrator which is not great but just always kind of hey that's Alicia Silverstone <laughs> moment that I keep having like you know once every couple of years well there was the excess baggage reunion we were all asking for in Reptile with her and Benicio del Toro um which is a movie okay, I... yeah they got my letters i don't think it's great but i think them they they are very good in it and uh oh and heather graham and heather graham suitable Suitable flesh Flesh. she deserves a a mention all right we're now at our third and final special award for evening mark what's your third special award right so i have a crew i want to see a a crew i want to see in a movie together award so i'd love to see father gabriel from the pope's exorcist Beth from Evil Dead Rise, Elena from Jethica, 
uh, Kelly Hernandez, uh, she's really good in that movie. Chad Mason Goodin from Screen Six, and Kelly Haynes, Emery Crutchfield from Dark Harvest. They've all like had to deal with a lot, but I'd love to see them as like a unit working together in a movie. I think it'd be fun. Just like you know, like maybe like Father Gabriel is the the like boss, and he has like a team, mm-hmm. and he sends them out. But I like all these characters in the movies because I think <laughs> Lily Sullivan. I like Kelly Hernandez. I like Lily Sullivan, Mason Gooding, and Emery Cutchwell. I think they're good. They're really good. So I'd love to see them on a team. They're they're uniting to work together on a team? Yeah, to like battle the 99 demons with Father Gabriel on Vespas. That's like a billion-dollar movie right there. All right. But I wanted to give Jethka props. I didn't know how I could do that. Um, I like Mason Gooding a lot in Scream 6. And then Dark Harvest has some beautiful-looking shots. And I like Lily. So I just want to promote. I, just, I didn't know if I'd talk about him much during the episode. So I lumped him here to give him a shout. Squeeze him in. Wait, yeah. look, wait, jinx the system there. No, I have a Jethika <laughs> reference later. Oh, okay. Mike, what's your third special award? I'm calling it the James Wan Malignant Award for most insane third act twist. Okay. <laughs> and apologies for the spoiler, but my award here goes to El Conde. the reveal being that uh, margaret thatcher was augusto (laughs) penis vampire mother which which is all kinds of bonkers um yeah would explain a few things but uh, that just wish i could picture my own face when that moment happened in the movie just like what that did i did raise up in my seat when the one like i I realized that oh this is where we're going (laughs) I love that. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, that scene made me happy. Uh, my um my third special award is the Chop Top Award for this movie is amateurish at best, but damn it, if having Bill Mosley in the lead role doesn't put a big smile on my face, and that's for a film called Hayride from Hell. <laughs> um, this is a very random movie that I I literally got the PR and it said Bill Mosley and Kane Hodder star in this thing, and I'm like, I'm sold. Like, what is this? Seventy five minutes at but at most. I'm in. Let me see this. The plot is nothing. It is Bill Bosley plays a guy who runs a hayride and like a Halloween thing. And like the people outside want to buy the land from him. And so his solution is to build a hayride, invite them to it, and say, I made it really special for you guys this time. You're going to like it and I'll keep my land. But really, he just plans to kill all of them during the hayride. <laughs> like that's the extent, and it's a it's literally a two act film. Like it's establish the hayride, kill everybody. There's no third act to this movie, <laughs> but it's but Bill Mosley, um, who I who doesn't like watching Bill Mosley in a horror movie, he's having a great time here. I, I, I had a fun time watching him. So that's my that's my my special award. <laughs> just nice to see Bill Mosley like just doing his thing. I love a good two act movie. It's so bizarre because like like it's made with like a like a Hallmark movie sincerity to it where you're like, maybe he just really wants to build a hayride and like hopefully keep his land is like, oh, no, it's just a horror movie. (laughs) There's no there's no extra twist to this. It's exactly as advertised. Uh, And then it just stops. Like, it's like, yeah, I did it. Like, that's the end. um, All right. Last few awards here. Mm. Best director. Mark. Who is your pick for best director? Oh, gosh. So, so we haven't talked about it a lot. We've talked about the other movies a lot. So I'm going to say Brian Duffield from No One Will Save You. Okay. Because, listen, Underwater, he wrote. It's a aquatic creature feature. Beautiful. Spontaneous, which a, a rom-com I love about kids blowing up. 
Love and Monsters. Yeah, right. yeah, right. And like Love and Monsters is is like it's like the rare post apocalyptic movie with peppy narration, and I really like it. It just has a good spirit to it. Did he and direct it, Love and Monsters? No, yeah, he, 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 he wait. Didn't he direct? It. No, he didn't. He wrote it. Yeah, he, he directed spontaneous. spontaneous, and then this. But yeah, he wrote Love and Monsters and Underwater. But like that's my kind of guy. Like there's a nice uh, water. There's and a he gr- wrote the babysitter. Oh he yeah, did, he did write the babysitter. A lot of fog hat in that. That makes me happy. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know, Love and Monsters has some good aquatic creature feature work as well. On it's a good beach fight. But no, I I think Norman will save you. I I don't really know much about it. Just put it on and it was just a hoot like when the large alien falls off the roof and just the the various you know sizes of them the backstory the way the production design tells the story i mean it's just it's quite ambitious caitlin deaver deserves a lot of credit but i just like what duffield's doing and this movie's just it was fun i remember watching just having fun with it it was a very fun creature feature alien film and yeah, so I'm going to give him that. I'm just going to say like, hey, like it's a largely silent creature feature and you have written and directed other things I like a lot. So that's my award. Best director, Brian Duffield. Okay. Mike? I'm going to go with Brandon Cronenberg hmm. for Infinity Pool, which I'm surprised we, we've mentioned it kind of sporadically. I thought Infinity Pool would have played a bigger... It's because I don't love it. That's why. <laughs> I'm, not a big, I'm not huge on it. I, I, I mean... I liked Possessor and Antiviral, although I don't know if I'd say I love them. And this is the film, and I, and honestly, Aaron, I don't know how much I love Infinity Pool either, but I will say that this is the film after which I thought, yeah, he's he's definitely developing a great voice as a horror director, independent of his father. I can agree with that. Yeah, and he's being really interesting and bold, and I think he's he's in the perfect sweet spot for auteur-based horror, which is... He's doing stuff that's well-financed enough to look and sound great and attract great talent, but not so much that the studios begin to poke their heads in and interfere. So, Even uh, though both times he's released movies that had to be called unrated versions. <laughs> sure, sure. But, you know, the stuff he's doing is, is you know, kind of challenging in interesting ways. And I think that, and, and again, the kind of break away from the association with his father with every subsequent more or less successful entry, I think... Uh, I'm just growing. I'm growing really warm on, on Cronenberg uh, Jr. and I'd like to see more. All right. Um, I I made like five choices to like you know I made I have five nominees and I was trying to narrow it down. Oh, uh, do your to... do your nominees first because there's nothing after this. That's mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, well, okay. So I had Ari Oster for Bo is Afraid. I had Takashi Yamazaki for Godzilla minus one. I had the Philippus for Talk to Me. I had Demian Rugna for When Evil Lurks. But honestly, as far as like what they're pulling off and the tension I was feeling during it and just certain associations, Kitty Green for the Royal Hotel, I, I think is a really well-directed thriller um, that plays of expectation, manages to both be kind of pretty it moves pretty well, but also it's still deliberate at times. Like it, it really worked for me. Like I, I didn't know where it was necessarily going to go. And I was happy to like constantly be not necessarily surprised, but certainly like on my toes as far as what I wanted from it. And on top of all of that, it's like, it's maintaining like it's, it's goal message wise, as far as what it's after. I, I, I thought it was a really well constructed movie 
given the very specific location, the kinds of characters we're dealing with. I think I think it really works. So that's where I'm at. That's a good pick. Aaron knows I'm a big fan of uh, Wake and Fright. <clears throat> oh yeah, it's a good picture. Yeah, I do now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> any any film that uh, is is kind of swimming in the same waters, uh, I'm on board with. Hmm. And Henwick and Gar are really good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm very again, much there's enjoy. a lot of like. There's various creepy guys throughout the thing, and I really like seeing Hugo Weaving pop up and stuff. I think he's a really good character actor. He's yeah, I've seen him in a, character actor. Yeah, I've seen him in a number of things fairly recently, and I'm like give weaving more work like he's great every time i see him he's knocking it out so yeah okay that, doll, that dolly's a good villain like villain, yeah dolly's yeah because mm. again it's like because he's plausible yeah. it, exactly it's very plausible yet there's always like a thought of this could go a different direction any second and you're like it's constantly playing with you on that level anyway now second to last category here best international horror film mark what do you have for your best international horror movie I mean, I would lose my aquatic creature feature card, lover card, if I didn't pick Godzilla minus one. So yeah, it's, it's stock, and I, I, I maybe should be promoting something else, but I just love Godzilla minus one so much. I adore. It. I made my wife a Godzilla minus one cake. Um, not made it. I decorated a cake in Godzilla minus one fashion, and I just I, I love it. I think it's uh yeah i mean just what they were able like the the visual effects the story the like not sacrificing yourself the way it comes around just the sinking the rise i don't know it's i just love it i love it so much so yeah godzilla minus one mike i mean as long as minus one is getting a nod i mean i kind of have to register my objection just got we don't need to get into it but as a scholar of japanese cinema and japanese history i think minus one perpetuates some really despicable right-wing propaganda pertaining to Japan's involvement in World War II. So as entertaining as the kaiju action most definitely is, it's a film that I feel people are embracing a little too uncritically. But like I said, that's just my contrarian two cents. It's it's a it's a great Godzilla movie. It just has other things going on that I found icky. So yeah, I'm sorry. Am I okay to go? Yeah. So I think I think honestly, the best non-American horror film is inarguably this year when evil lurks. But I thought that was maybe a little too easy a choice. And if you're asking what uh, what my personal favorite was, I'm going to go with the Haunting of Queen Mary. Yeah, hey, it, that's it, an international. I've seen UK it. Film. Okay. It's UK. Yeah, it's not the horror elements that won me over. It's that the movie is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it makes some really inexplicable and artistically strange choices, and it manages to take this pretty, I think, pretty standard ghost story on a, on a ship. And make it, let's say, like above average bananas. Um, I was completely sucked in and just found myself kind of laughing at it, laughing with it. Um, the horror scenes, some of them are quite effective uh, for what they're doing. So yeah, I just found myself really, really enjoying it, especially for how how bizarre uh, some of its choices. When I started explaining it to, I explained the plot to my wife. I had a great time explaining the plot and just trying to keep it together as far as like making sense of what was going on. Yeah. But it looks crazy. great. It was visual. Like when it started, I love the look of it. And like, I like the casting. I thought Alice Eve was solid. And then it just keeps, it's a very, yeah. It, it took me places. I didn't know I would go. So yeah, that was fun to watch. All right. Got to check it out. It was on my list of things to say. I just didn't get to it. It's on Hulu. Um, good. Yeah. I, I know it's on my queue. Ah. <laughs> my list. Um, 
I have no reason to change just because Mark already had it. It's Godzilla minus one. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. I mean, I'm not gonna like move it for the convenience of it. I can say when evil works is like right there, especially as far as like you know Godzilla. You know, it's horror. It's a monster movie, but like when evil works is like it's a horror movie. Like you know, it's got axes in the face and stuff. Like it's a, it's a damn horror mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Talk to me is also just right next to it. Also, I mean, just, I think those are two are easily for me just like the best horror movies i've like in the traditional horror sense so to speak or what have you those just stand out uh el conde was on the list bell mm-hmm. woman was on the list sick i do think sick of myself was uh, really strong as well uh, <laughs> any others uh mike do you have any others yeah i um i don't want to insist on uk films but i saw another one from the uk that i really liked called little bone lodge yeah with Jolie Richardson, that's a fun and it's it's mean. Okay, and nasty. yeah, I heard of that one. A good one. Another one I liked, which is coming out in March, I believe. Here, it's called uh, Infested. It's a French killer spider movie. Um, you got my attention. Yeah, yeah I tried to find that, but I couldn't do it. I was like, oh no. Yeah, it's it's arachnophobia meets Attack the Block. You it's now a, really have my attention. Good yeah, lord, yeah, in a French apartment building. It's 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 kind of fun. I also is thought. It... Aaron, you might like. Um, is it called Vermin? Also, Vermin. Yeah, Vermin. But it will be released here, I think, on Shutter under the title "Infested." Oh, so it'll be easy to watch too. Cool. All right. <clears throat> um, I thought Aaron might like a movie called "In My Mother's Skin," which is basically a Filipino pan's labyrinth. Mm. I'll mark you too, obviously. But yeah, it's good. It's, it's on Amazon. It's it it pretty good. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know that one. All right, cool. The kid, the, the uh, I keep saying kid. I need to learn. I shouldn't just say kid. I should learn the, the actors' names. But the uh, the girl, the lead star, she she does a lot of work in that movie and does a very good job. So okay, it's on Prime. Yeah, I don't have time for all these. <laughs> this list is growing and growing. <laughs> right. Mark, did you have any others? I think that's it. I mean, I kind of want to pick El Conde now because of just that overhead shot. But Godzilla has some good ones, too. But yeah, I'll stick with Godzilla. Okay, last category here. Best U.S. horror film. Mark, what is it? Birth Rebirth. I know. I don't know. I just like the, the maturity of it. The the performances. What you know, what it builds towards. I mean, you know, like any good horror movie, there's good animal death. No, it's just like when, when they're dealing with that, when they're trying to get the extra stuff from that woman and they keep bringing her back with that needle. It's just, I don't know. It's all just, it's a very mature, solid film with two very good performances and they form this interesting family and it can be really matter of fact and they're both so different. I don't know. I just, I really like that movie. I really like it. So I'm going to take birth, rebirth. Okay. Mike? Birth Rebirth was high on my sort of candidacy list as well. It's I second everything you're saying. It's 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 a very good movie. It is. Um, so I'd consider any number of the ones we've talked about. Angry Black Girl, Malum, I really liked, but I'm I'm gonna go with Jethika. Um, <laughs> kind of with, with the same agenda as Mark, I, I want to get that in there and make people aware of this movie because that's among probably one of the harder ones to be alerted to because it's so micro budget. It's it's just a cool, inventive movie. I'm guessing listeners don't know it. So it's about a young woman in, I think, New Mexico. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, yeah um, New Mexico. Yeah. And she runs into an old, I guess, high school friend who is trying to evade a stalker. But it turns out the stalker is dead. And it's a ghost that's just, you know, following her everywhere. And 
it's just it's super low budget but it's it's really inventive and cool um you're saying super low budget but it's like it's a good looking like it's not like it doesn't feel cheap you know it doesn't, it, no, it doesn't it's, feel it's certainly it's minimalist it's like, min yeah, that's probably the better word because it's it's um you know it's got a ghost and it's got supernatural elements but it's handled in the kind of most straightforward plain non-special effects uh driven way possible and it's just it's a cool little movie and i hope I hope people go check it out. Yeah, between Jessica and the Wolf of Snow Hollow, I like Mill Madden. I like what he's been doing lately. <laughs> he's been putting in some cool performances. That is he the did. same guy. I didn't realize yeah. that. Oh, that's him. Okay. Either. Yeah. And like Callie <laughs> Hernandez, man, she's just cool in that movie. I don't. I I like. I like it. You know, she has. The, she picks up her friend and just. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's on canopy like, right now, by the way. If you want to watch Jessica, it's very it's, yeah, it's free. library card. It's the easiest oh, it's with, without ads. Are, you could ask for, yeah. Um, it, it's it's tough uh, for me. Like I, there's just like multiple like movies I really like here, and I could get behind the whole like supporting a smaller thing. But it's I made Bo is afraid is one of my is like I'm <laughs> really high on my list, guys. Like I, it's it, it's such a unique thing that exists as far as Ari Aster getting given like a blank check by A24 of all people to make like make this ridiculous epic, and like I I can't in the realm of like genre like it's such a diversion from Hereditary and Midsummer, uh, and instead it's just like this wild wacky thing that, that yes like scrapes against other genres as well and it's not like it's not as horrific in the same way as hereditary having like tony collect cutting off her own head with razor wire but i still think there's just like whether or not it's my own jewishness or whatever but just something he's tapping into i think really works well for me as far as capturing anxiety in a way that i haven't seen before and on top of that, you have this great lead performance. You have these wonderful visuals and incredible production design, mm. uh, which is not talked about nearly enough because I think that there's a whole world created here that you know spans a three-hour runtime of a film, and I think is really a really solid. Um, yeah, I you know I, I I can make arguments for other movies, but I mean I I, I can't deny that Bo's Afraid is my favorite one on the list that I have in front of me. It kind of seems like the movie that he he had the big hits, Hereditary and Midsommar for for A twenty four, so they were kind of like, well, you you made two of our most lucrative movies. Here's a handful of cash to go make your three hour film, and like he he kind of earned it. He built that cred up, and this is the kind of movie I think that comes from that. And it, it's just very much so this very no, I I love it. I love I had a good time with Bo's Afraid, I th but I you know I think it's I like that he just made this and they gave him that much money to do it whenever i think about it i smile i don't know if that's good i just think it's so heightened like the parker posey of it all in his dad um in the house party and the bathroom fight right good flick i um consider angry owner black in the inner monster um evil dead rise knock at the cabin malum royal hotel saw x I like in contention I have skin and ring just based on a principle again like I do like there's something there that like I really appreciate even with not liking the movie all that much I, there's just something about it where it's like I haven't saw it literally a year ago and I'm still thinking about it now so it's like it it, it has my respect as much as that matters yeah that's um, a good but there's something about the fact that we're still thinking about it and still having conversations about it despite mm -hmm. the fact it's an extraordinarily difficult movie to eat popcorn to. Yeah. Uh, yes. 
Yeah, and you're right. It's it's a year old, and so the fact that it's kind of lingering in our memory, I think, is it speaks to something, something they were doing right. Like they shot, it took they shot seven. It was a seven day shoot, and they basically just worked from nine to five. I, I love what they were able to to do with that time. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things that people should talk about when it comes to pre pro, and they did a lot of pre pro on that movie, which is wise. I mean, it's cheap, so I mean, I think it's a good learning experience for people. And he's yeah. on his YouTube channel, like the the talk to me guys. Yeah, the filters, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I seem to treat these awards as like less of like my like it's certainly my tastes, but it's also like ah, oh, there has to be one I begrudgingly respect. So that's where Skinnering comes in, I guess. Uh, you guys have any other uh, runner-ups, U.S. horror? No, nothing that hasn't already been mentioned. If if someone had taken mine ahead of time, or if I had to come up with a second one, I probably would have gone with Candyland. Hmm. Um, but otherwise, I mean, Malum, The Blackening, Angry Black Girl, all, all, all worthy films. Have you seen the original? I assume you have. Have you seen the original Malum? Is it called Last, Last Shift? Shift? Last Shift. Yeah. I haven't seen it, so I'm just curious. Like, is it worth me? Like, they're going they're, to... they're very similar. the The main distinction is really just in budget. That's what I figure. You know, like, I'm not against it. I mean, I love a lot I more blood. Evil, I love Evil Dead, and they made that multiple times. <laughs> like, so it's, um, but you know, I'll, I'll probably get to it eventually. But I, I certainly appreciated Malum a lot. Where I'm like, I want to see what else he's doing. So. What's your favorite moment from the year? Favorite moment? Yeah, just one moment from all of these movies that has lingered in your memory the most. I mean, the, the damn dog thing, and when Evil certainly lingers in my memory. Um, <laughs> I, th I think for me it's the um i made the wall from insidious the red door well, that's just that's just such a good moment i think that's the, my um, favorite the the montage and talk to me did did, did did make my 23 favorite moments uh list um for the for the year in general so that certainly stands out i mean i've, and I've you know i've watched godzilla four and presumably five times when i see minus color um so i mean there's there's sequences of that that very much stand out for me as well Heck yeah mike do you have a, a favorite just overall moment of the year you think favorite moment i mean i do Leave a, a simple favorite moments right for the top 10 list that i do that aaron points. yeah um but i think among the horror ones that i ranked i mean we have a rope is one of them society of the snow i think i i ranked as a I wasn't thinking of it as a horror moment uh, when I was thinking of it, but you're right, the avalanche scene and some of that it's, stuff. It's, be terrifying. Horrific, truly horrific, right? Um, and it's the filming of it, like the way Bayonne is capturing like people like being birthed out of the snow as they're digging them up. It's just like, this is crazy. <laughs> like I yeah. really respect that one. So some of those moments, I mean, you know, someone mentioned uh, what, what uh, 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 a horror moment in a non-horror film and, and oh, there's that one scene from Zone of Interest. I would have said just wall to wall all of them <laughs> you know these sort of nothing's nothing's really more horrific than real plausible behavior right which is why dolly from royal hotel is so scary mm -hmm. as opposed to uh uh the carver from um thanksgiving which is mm -hmm. fun and silly so if i had to pick a, a favorite moment or a, a scariest moment it would probably be along those lines something that just kind of creeped me out for how how plausible it seemed when she puts that jacket on in zone of interest and starts modeling it and like pulls stuff out of the pockets. Yeah. And it, the, just how casual it is. It's just so, oh man. Or when she freaks, she's like, I could have you dead. Like just tiny little moments in there. 
man what a year from what sandra huller completely different body language in those two movies just wonderful yeah i agree uh you know what um if i had to go non-horror then the kitchen argument in anatomy of a fall is one of my favorite scenes of the year it's told in a flashback where they're listening to the cassette tape in the courtroom um it really reminded me of something I heard a screenwriter say once, which is that in a well-written movie or in a in a well-written scene, everybody's right. Mm. Mm. And I kept thinking that watching this, I'm like, yeah, the both sides make perfect sense to me. Uh, if I'd have to flip a coin if I had to pick a side, um, and that's how I know I was watching something that was just really rewarding my intelligence as a film viewer. Something truly nourishing and complicated and and accurate to the complexities of, of human life and that that to me again not a horror moment but unless, unless the existential horror of a, of a of a of a marriage on the slide you know and then the fall of their wait no that didn't work never mind i'm tired <laughs> the downfall of their marriage well on that the... note <laughs> we've concluded the 2023 horror awards we've gone through all of our categories I hope everyone was entertained by the various picks in our recap of the horror movies of the year. Uh, certainly covered a lot of ground in that regard. But with all that said, time to wrap things up. So, Mark, where can people find more of you online? It's movies, films, and flicks podcast, Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, um, Fandom, Ringer, Rotten Tomatoes. I got stuff coming out for them. So, yeah. Great. Mike, anything you'd like to plug? Nothing to plug, but you guys, um, same time next year. Yeah. Hopefully I can get started earlier. Send me movies. If you're ever bored and you remember, shoot me movies to watch. So I'm not like, it's great, but I was like, I got, I'm packing them in. I can stay up to date with movies. No more, no more cramming. Yeah. I mean, it's fun, but like, I wonder what it would be like to stay current in a year. That'd be nice. Um, everything I do ends up on my blog, the code Um, this podcast, everywhere you can find podcasts. So uh, feel free to, check us out wherever you can you guys this is so much fun i yeah. love doing this. good I, I love it when we agree and i love when i'm surprised by your picks and it's just thanks for thanks for doing this with uh with me this like yeah, legit yeah. this, this legitimately raises my game with horror like it makes me think about it consider it like i dig it i had a lot of fun prepping for this so i'm glad y'all enjoyed sure. it too for sure i look forward to another lengthy show next year it <laughs> goes long just like random award shows too so we can make this happen uh but yeah that's gonna do it for the 2023 horror awards um thank you mark thank you mike for joining me this whole evening yeah uh until next year with this specific episode we're gonna do it so until next time so long and goodbye